I'm just a rock and roll clown. They're glowing in the dark. Ooh, conspiracies. Like, tell me more. This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange This show is behind the scenes. I will put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. Yeah, it's a nasty scheme. You maniac! What is a What is BTS? When we are successful, we will We had a real chance to get Our patience is wearing thin. I'm going to tell him how to be a dwarf, how to think like a dwarf, how to feel like a dwarf. And then they'll use special effects to make him small like a dwarf. Team effort. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's perfect. Okay. That's perfect. All right, you just, just move. Just go and do whatever you would normally do. Just kind of... Crazy little wall. Where would you sit? Like a chair? Sofa? Or like uh, on the floor? Cross-legged? Can you actually... Can you do cross-legged? No, not really. I just normally sit in a chair. Is it? Nice. Yeah. Please. Do I sit down there? Yeah, yeah, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> wow! He hopped on the chair. That's great. Cool. <clears throat> He's kind of like a grub coming out of an apple. Seeing the world for the first time. Right. So, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If you were struck by lightning, bolt of lightning, bam! Right? Yep. What would you do? Dead. Maybe not. Okay. Can I see you out of that chair? Oops. On that floor? Yeah. Standing here? Like yeah. Just you and me. Yep. We're standing here, talking. Bang, 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 bang. Bam! No, no, a bolt of lightning's gonna knock you down. Okay. Bam! Oh! Stand up. Fucking stand up and scream. Oh, that noise! Yeah. The noise is fantastic. Let's do the noise again. Kill It's fantastic. Oh god, that's great. Yeah, cool. It's really great. It's like a, it's like a weird baby crow. It's been left by its mother, and the little legs started flailing. Did I? And uh, yeah, they did. So I'm just making notes. Have you heard of uh, Michael Flatley? Uh, yep. Yeah. Hmm. Lord of the Dance. Oh, yeah. Right? Here we go. You and me. Yep. What, what are we going to do? Lord of the Dance. Pastor. <laughs> Fucking give me passion! 
No, come on. That's not Michael Flatley. Lord of the Dead. Yeah. Lord of the Dead. Yeah. Faster. Faster. More. More. So, there's one scene uh, that I need to see. Because at one point, mm-hmm. Rumpelstiltskin climbs up through the sewers mm-hmm. to escape the villagers. Okay. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. How do you want to do that? Then? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, God. It's far too much. Evil toilet dwarf. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. Ugh. Ugh. How do you feel? Um, feel a bit wet, to be honest. So what is a typical day for you? I want to see what you do. I want to see what you do. How you do it? How do you do? Same as you, probably, really. Um, just sort of having important meetings, doing some brilliant acting, um, hanging out with famous people, sort of thing. Like who? Like other dwarves? Like tiny men? Sometimes. Uh, yeah, but I mean, today um, I'm going to cruise down and meet a couple of good friends of mine, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. Yeah. Ricky Gervais? Mm-hmm. Can I come with you? Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it, yeah. I got your Lord of the Dance right fucking here, and this is episode 97 for Behind the Schemes, May 16th, 2022, and I am Booberry Black Knight of the Mothman. And from all the way, way the hell over here, where, uh, please don't, there's good people here, don't nuke us into the sea, uh, rest of America. My name is Lavish. And what's good? How you doing this, this, uh, tonight? This tonight I'm doing, uh, quite well. Uh, thank you for asking. And yourself, uh, you know, doing all right. All things considered, we're uh, for our interview folks listening there out there live. We uh, had some delays, unfortunately, that was not tech related, oddly enough. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, I'm glad I'm here. I'm in the green room. We're doing a show. We're in the clean feed call. Everything's recording. You know, sometimes life gets in the way. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> and then I knocked life out of my way. And then I was like, get out of here, life. Get, get out of here. Get out of here, life. Get yourself lost, life. We, nah. don't, we don't take kindly to, to, to lives like yours around here. Oh, God. All lives, lives matter. Oh, my. Please. Oh. <laughs> well, since we started so late, I feel it's just appropriate that we get straight into some tarot card action so we can get to the meat for tonight's episode. Indeed, indeed. Uh, yes, every episode we draw a tarot card. And uh, we interpret it. And uh, tonight, we pulled the Six of Cups. Hell yeah. I seem to recall this is a pretty good card. It's a pretty happy little card. It's definitely got a, a pretty little image. It's got uh, two kids playing in a sort of Garden of Eden type of environment. Uh, most commonly identified as a, like a brother and a sister. Mm. And they're sharing things and they're having a great old time. And it's kind of like... It's a very serene and picturesque and uh, and almost nostalgic image. Oh, very nice. Yes. Very nice indeed. I got some keywords from labyrinthos.co, uh, up, upright keywords being nostalgia, memories, familiarity, healing, comfort, sentimentality, and pleasure. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be a pleasurable card. The Six of Cups symbolizes the joy of nostalgia, the comfort of home and childhood innocence. In the card itself, there are six cups filled with white flowers. Uh, two children are depicted in the foreground, and one is passing a cup to another. This handling of the flowers from the boy to the girl shows the passing of traditions and happy reunions. Hmm. Oh, and they, yeah. seem, they seem to be in a castle of sorts, which implies security and comfort. Yeah, it's a very safe, very Eden-esque place that they, they're hanging out in. For the card, my card at least, that seems to be the case. And then we've got like frogs and butterflies and stuff. And cats and all kinds of cute things running around. That's so very cool, yeah. According to Labyrinthios, it represents generosity or naive happiness or childhood. Or it could also mean, uh, you know, memory of a of an earlier time, a happier time, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I think the technical term for that would be the old normal. The old normal, which, uh, you know, what is normal, right? Always changing, always subjective. But <laughs> what yes. is normal? Baby, Baby don't, don't tax me. Don't, don't tax me. me. No, no more. more. Please. Please. <laughs> uh, half of what I make, I give back. Stop, please. Uh, you may feel that remembering the times is the only way to feel happy sometimes with this cup. Six of Cups card. Uh, it appears in a reading seems to indicate that we may look upon the past with a happy eye. We must avoid living in the past. Mm. We must... Sail on to new shores as we must. Classic mental trap being stuck in the past. That's right. Past tripping. Past tripping. It's no bueno. Yep. You I mean, gotta be cool. I mean, there's definitely things to be learned from, no doubt about it. And it's uh, every day I'm like, why? Why did I do that one thing that one way that one time like seven years ago? Why, yeah. Or what longer. was I thinking? <laughs> Shit, I think about mistakes I made when I was like 10, mm-hmm. 15. I'm just like, why did I do that? Then stupid, the other part stupid, like, stupid. Well, you're fucking 10, dude, so, you know, it's okay. Or <laughs> you were 20 and you were drunk. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were 30 and this was last week ago. Don't worry about it, bro. Don't, Don't worry about it. about it. Oh, God. <laughs> now it's just like, oh, you, know, you get a little tight around it. You really want to avoid... Making those kinds of memories as you get older. Oh, no doubt. Uh, but if you would like to see the tarot card that we've drawn, it's posted up at the top of our show notes, which can be found at zososcorner.substack.com, Z-O-S-O-S corner.substack. It's where we have all of the show art for tonight's episode posted. All of our notes are there. We got a list of all of the freaks of hazards who come out of the word woodwork to help produce this show every week. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, because we are value for value production. We don't take uh, corporate sponsorship, and we don't have ads, and we don't read any reads or do anything lame like that. We rely purely on the support of the producers who listen to the show and uh, and produce the show in kind with not only financial contributions, but also uh, emails and, and pictures and art and ideas and music sometimes and clips. It's a, It's a full production. That's why they're producers. And I would like to go ahead and thank some folks that uh, were boosting us uh, from earlier in the week and tonight uh, when before we started the show. Um, just a quick note on the value for value. I'm really glad to be on that model because I'm not sure we would be able to play the boost sound effect that we have for tonight if we were on any other sort of major platform. 
and you, no. if you like if you like the boost again last week, just wait till you get a load of this one. <laughs> yeah, it's sad that we didn't get to hear him through the the opening. We had a couple of boosts come in th- through the in- intro that we do. Yeah, and, maybe uh, maybe uh maybe I should cuz what I what I've been doing is um I'll mute the tab until we go live. Maybe right. maybe I should fix that. Oh, no, no, no. It's fine for the opening. Uh shoot. Yeah, we'll just should we play it once for all the for all the boosts that came in during the Let me uh let me let's go through the list first and then uh we'll see if one comes in. Um we had 3333 sets from Signs of New Growth. Uh, which is a, another musical and ende- uh, endeavor on the podcasting 2.0 train. So they, they got music coming out. You can boost it just like you did Abel and the Wolf. Be a good time. Uh, and that was through right Fountain. On. Thank you. Signs of new growth. Signs of new growth. Much appreciated. Uh, 3333 came from servo yesterday, uh, via boost CLI asking, are my boosters working? I would, uh, yes, yes, they are. Yes. And Who's clit? We had, uh, two days ago, 3333 via Curiocaster, but no name. They were boosting recovering journo, so, uh, we appreciate it. And I should say, state that for any of the boosts going forward, um, if there is a guest and they have a node, we will be doing a value split with them, so. From now and forever, when you go to boost like episode ninety six, it will uh, a portion of that will go to Tom Starkweather, which is very exciting. In perpetuity, it's quite a, it's quite a model, and we'll have to go back and work our way through like uh, Tunta. I want to get on there. Mofax, Spencer, Lorian, Metis. Um, I want to get all those filled out. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean. Yes, yes. It's tough when the technology is always advancing. You got to retroactively implement it sometimes, mm. or maybe not even developing, but we're learning about it or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much, uh, no name person. And uh, thirty three sixty nine. Heyo from Servo using the boost CLI. He boosted the live tag on CurioCaster. I'm sorry. CLI, you can you don't need a curiocaster. What am I saying? Um, regardless, yeah, he boosted thirty three sixty nine, and he said gore 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 da 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 gore gore in a blatant <laughs> attempt to try to ruin our intro, as he's been uh, what did he say? Shit boosting in people's openings. His words, <laughs> not mine. So oh, thank man. you for trying to shit boost us, Servo. We appreciate it. Uh, 88, 88 sats come in from Carolyn. She boosted the live tag using CurioCaster. Oh yeah, my. Yeah, Carolyn Blaney. She says in all caps, cause we allow that here. Bolt of lightning to your node via the live tag. Oh my. Mm, thank you, Carolyn Blaney, host of Hog Story. And then, uh, last came in from... Booly Steed, I see that. I, it looks like she got her username fixed in the, um. She's Boosty Steed. Boosty Steed. Oh, I see that. I see you. <laughs> I see you. Thank you, Boosty Steed. <laughs> and, uh, she sent a thousand sats saying, I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. On a strange journey. <laughs> 
Did Excellent. Like, did you like that new intro? <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, it was rocking. Hell yeah! It's gonna be a it's gonna be a real rock and roll show tonight. Okay, I can. That's right. Guarantee that it's going to be quite the party. I'm very excited about it. Oh, you should just just wait till you hear the intermission and how rock and roll it is. We've got protest songs. Oh 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 oh, oh wow! Was, I didn't realize it was going to be that sort of party. What are you? Is there? Is there a? You doing coke? Oh my goodness! We're doing drugs in the green room. <laughs> oh. Yeah! Oh my! Uh, so if you want to get lit, <laughs> uh, boost the show. You can download a new uh, new podcast app, new podcasting two app, over at nudepodcastapps dot com. You can get your one that's value enabled, and you can uh, stream sets to us, Rare Encounter, Hog Story, Ball After Ball, Fun Fact Friday. There's all sorts of shows. Uh, Double Thought Dimensions is on there now. Um. Mm. It's a, it's a fun, cool way to help support public radio. Uh, I would r- highly recommend it to anybody and everybody. If you're listening to us via the Spotify or the Apple, you really gotta, you gotta try one of these new, new apps out. Uh, I'm not sure what else to say other than one of these days. I, I can guarantee that when you go to check us out, we won't be there and not by our own doing. Mm. Know what I'm saying? I suppose I do. Hell yeah. Um, was there anything else that we missed? Oh, not for, not any boost that I see. Uh, oh. yeah. And we'll be thinking, uh, thanking our other, uh, producers and freaks of hazards, uh, after the intermission going into our second show or second, second half of show, I should say. Uh, oh, oh, oh shit. Pfeiffer wants a little bit of that tray action. Get it, son. Lines it up, taps it out. Oh, and rails it. He railed it. That's so good for you. Pfeiffer coming in with 7777 says, Boost what thou will shall be the whole of the law. Very incredibly Satan-y. Very, very, <laughs> very Satan-y. Uh, and, and you should get excited because next week episode, I'm sorry, week after next in two weeks. Uh, so not next Monday, but the following Monday, Pfeiffer, do, excuse me, the esteemed Reverend, Reverend Dr. Pfeiffer will be joining us for a Jack Parsons special. Mm-hmm. Yes, you heard us right. That's right. The Alan Parsons project. <laughs> Already trying to write show titles. <laughs> <laughs> the Jack Parsons Project. Yeah. Someone's made that joke before. Damn somewhere. It. Somewhere. Uh, and the re- if a reverend doctor so- tells you to boost what thou wilt, shall be the whole of the law. Well, then that is indeed the whole of it. Mm-hmm. The law of being. So. Thank you, doctor. Yes. Reverend we, doctor. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll... Uh, well, we should get into some uh, some scream mails. Oh, sure, yeah, we could do a little bit of screaming, screaming, mailing. Except, oh, there he goes. Don't do this to me. Boost me! Oh yes, boost me! Boost with the force. Let your feelings guide you. There's a lot of schemes out there. They're glowing in the dark. Psychic, Psychic warfare. Boost! 
do a commercial, you're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore. And uh, end of story. Put on your 3D glasses now. It's just, it's wet everywhere. G-L-O-W-I-E, glowy. 612-263-7999 is the number that you can call tonight. Shall be the whole of the number. 612-263-7999. And here's our first screen mail for tonight. Thank you for that opportunity behind the schemes. Love you, Booberry. Love you, Lavish. Listen to you guys regularly. Captain Kid, over and out. Oh, Captain, Captain. Kid. Captain. Well, hello. Ahoy there, Captain. Thank you for the call. As they say, what brings a pretty little place to a girl like you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You better, you better work on those sea legs there, boobs. Yeah. Say, sounds good. Nice. Uh, he gave us the, what's the, uh, the ambulance sound effect. Wouldn't it be a klaxon or something else? Uh, uh, when the, you hear the siren and it changes, uh, the Doppler effect. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where it goes, oh, based on how close it is to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, yeah, it was like that. Well, cool. That was, that was great, Captain. Nice work. Yes, we, This uh, is what police cars sound like in Mongolia, <laughs> says Junta. <laughs> Captain! Oh, my. Uh, let's see what our next caller has to say. Oh man, are we are we in the green room right now? Yes, you are. This this is the the the, the boo, boo Barry Mothman of the Antarctic uh, Circle and uh, the the Lavash. Man, that's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, yeah, man, something makes me scream. I guess that's why, like, I've been going the last couple of weeks. But uh, so I was running, make, try to make it quickish. But I was running today, and well, probably mentioned before, but one of my favorite podcasts is this uh, John Deloney podcast, and somebody calls in, and and uh, they just kind of call on different problems and you know, give them direction and whatnot. And somebody calls in, and they found out their daughter had been a family member had been had done some stuff for the daughter, and now it's kind of just trying to figure out how to deal with that in the long term and the short term and all the legalities and blah 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 blah. And, uh, man. <laughs> yeah. That makes me scream. Yeah. And I'm just out there running, and I'm actually really like, it's hard to cry when you're running. For one, realize that, and then curse a little bit while you're running, because, you know, fortunately, like, I've known some people have had stuff happen as kids or younger and, or, and older and stuff like that, but man. All I got to say is, like, keep an eye out on people, you know? Like, if you get intuitions or whatnot, man, like, my wife and I, we got a couple nephews and nieces, and, like, so we don't have kids, but, like, man, if anything happened to one of them, you just, yeah. But, 
I'm like, heck, man, listen to kids. Like, you know, if, if something goes like, hey, I don't feel good about someone, so, you know, like, don't just, don't just play it off, you know, go, go listen to them. I've heard, you know, heard of stories where it's like, oh, somebody had something, you know, they thought about something, but they're like, no, nah, no, nah, they're fine, you know, didn't do anything, and then find out years down the road, like, could have saved the world of hurt if they would have just told their parents, you know, and that stuff's adults, and yeah, anyway, my little screen, but anyway, yeah, little story, but all right, well, I love you guys, I am stay dangerous, stay, oh god, stay dangerous, Christopher Battles, the one and only. Thank you for the call. Yeah, I you know, for one, I really don't like it when people treat kids like they're subhuman. Like they aren't like worth talking to as an individual. Or talk, you know, demean them. Talking down to them. Uh, talking down to them, yeah. Like I remember people talking down to me when I was a kid and I thought it was just very fucking rude and strange. Yeah. And I would try to have like a, a normal conversation with somebody. I wouldn't ask them for anything. I wouldn't, you know, I'd just bring up something like anyone else would. And they look at me like I'm a, like a fucking dog or something. They're like, get out of here. <laughs> oh, sweetie, bless your heart. Ugh, yeah, that would be nicer than some of them. I don't know. <laughs> just people I, I don't know. For some reason, just the people I grew up around certain circles, I just really, they really just, some people in this life do not like kids. Yeah. And um, I thought, I, I mean, I, you know, you don't have to, like, love kids or anything. But you can't just, like, treat kids like they're, <laughs> I don't know, animals or something that should be kenneled up and, like, ignored. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's kind of a dick move. I, uh, I won't get too deep into it, but um, I can definitely verifiably say that uh, even when it comes to kids, I still communicate with them in the ways that I would hope people would communicate with me. Um, and I would yeah. not give them any less. You know, they're uh, just another person trying to figure out this uh, wild and wacky uh, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're yeah, we all are. Now, I can also verifiably say that sometimes they're just a fucking asshole. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, some kids are just fucking <laughs> dicks. There's no doubt about that. And and you know, youth isn't always an excuse, right? But yeah, yeah. I know. But uh, you, yeah, you, I mean, you it's keep just, that in mind too, though. You know, you yeah, have, like yeah, whatever. It's it's just it's 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 exactly one of those just giving what you receive uh, mm. or giving back what you receive. And if you are going to be a dick, then I, too, will be a dick. And then we can be dicks together. And then we have the great dickening. And that is, I think, is treating someone like an adult as much as anything else. Yeah. It's like, OK, I'm going to treat you with the dignity and respect of if you're going to disrespect me, then I'm not going to respect you, you know, because that's what I do for anyone else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Easy. You at least earned my spite first. Right. I didn't just look at you and was bigoted. Right. It's like, oh, there's no way. <laughs> but I also, you know, at the same point, I'm a I'm a firm believer in, in um, a little bit of uh, tough love. And, you know, sometimes like 
you got to take it real serious, real fast. Um, sure. But, uh, you know, that's, I, I don't think that's quite what, uh, battles was getting at. Uh, I don't think so either. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you again for the call, Christopher Battles. We appreciate it. Uh, Lavish, you want to hit me with that telephone number? Then we can roll some dice. I believe I can. That number, once again, if you want to call us on our scream mail line, is 612-263-7999. I love it. Um, honestly, I just want to roll. I'm going to do a classic roll, 1d20. Highest goes first. Sounds classic to me. And I was unprepared because I didn't have the board up. Mm, I don't know. I feel like I did pretty good. It's hard to say. I got a 13. Lucky 13. Well, I hate to say it, but I rolled a natural D20. Oh, oh my God. I got the full Monty tonight. Oh. I was graced with the the top roll. You know, (laughs) give it up, everybody. Lavish of behind the schemes. For some reason, I like the when I first started listening to No Agenda, I caught that he had an accent, even though it's barely there. Mm-hmm. He definitely has a European accent, and I knew that he was from the Netherlands or something, yeah. Germany or something. And when he says my name, it definitely has the, a little accent in there. Mm. What do you think Through about the enunciation? What do you think about this one? Lavish. Ooh, I like that one. Lavish. 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 (laughs) (laughs) And with my clips tonight, you may even find a little Easter egg in there as well. Oh, right. Right away. Right away. Um, Well, I brought uh, some things. Uh, I I, I brought clips for a certain thing. But before I do that, I'd like to delve into something that I, I really haven't had a chance to yet. And it was this encyclopedia that we were given, The Man, Myth, and Magic from Make Heroism and MK Ultra. Mm. And I was looking through it, and I was uh, interested in maybe a little uh, a game or something uh, where we do like a choose your own adventure type of thing. I like it. And we'll just pick one. We'll just pick one topic. But right now, I'm looking at between V and Z. So this is the final book in the encyclopedia series. And then uh, beyond this, there's the bibliographies and all that. That's good stuff. Starts with Virgo goes through Vishnu all the way down to Zeus and zombies. Ooh. And uh, whatever is in between, you can guess, or I can read the whole list. It's not really that long. I guess uh, I'll just, I, what, what, I do have one. Zoroastrism. Did I pronounce that right? Zoroastrism. They don't have that. Oh, interesting. How about any other V, W, Y, Z words? Uh, admittedly, being on the spot, I can't think of anything. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a weird, a weird So spot. we got Virgo, Vishnu, Visions, Voodoo, Wagner, Weight, A.E. Weight, 
Wagner, uh, the composer? Richard Wagner. Oh, let's do that. I'm curious why he would end up in a esotericism encyclopedia. If it is, if it is that Wagner, it might be a different one. But let's go and see that one. That one is on page, uh, let's see here, 2977. So we go to 2977. 2977. That's right, folks. You know it well, that number. (laughs) You may have heard about it. Wagner's operas have exerted a powerful influence on occultists who have regarded him as a natural magician and a Gnostic saint. Do you think that's the reason that they chose that for the No Agenda warm-up? Ooh, well, there's maybe something in it there. There's maybe something in it there. This is part of the power. It's so prevalent. All these things that are so prevalent, everything from Wagner to the Beatles... You know, it's it's part of the reason why it's so famous is because it's got this stuff. Uh, He has been credited with an intuitive grasp of the principles of sexual magic. Oh. Oh. And one enthusiast translated the names of Wagner's characters into Hebrew to find important numerological formulas. (laughs) So they're doing the, what is it, the, the, where you put your name in and it gives you the numbers. Oh, uh... (laughs) Gematria. Yeah, yeah, Gematria, yeah. Hebrew Gematria. So, I'll just read a little bit of Wagner. Lord of life and joy, through adored of us upon heaths and in woods, on mountains and in caves, openly in the marketplaces and secretly in the chambers of our houses, we worthily co- we worthily commemorate them worthy that did of old adore thee and manifest thy glory unto men. Loud sea and Siddhartha and Krishna and Tehuti, and also these, Thomas, Vaughn, Elias, Ashmol, Weishaupt, Wolfgang von Goethe, uh, and Wagner. So reads the Collect for the Saints in the Gnostic Catholic Mass, written by Aleister Crowley, oh, or his wow. followers. That's right. So Wagner got a special call-out from our boy Al, just so you know. Um, at first sight... It may seem surprising that Crowley included Wagner in his ragbag collection of Gnostic saints. Others were the Borgia Pope, Alexander VI, and a syphilitic and eccentric 15th century Lutheran named Ulrich von Houten. But Wagner's indebtedness to Nordic myth, legend, and mystical interpretations of Christianity has convinced many occultists that the great composer was one of their own number. That's right. Uh, let's see here. Interesting. Kabbalistic. What's that? Uh, didn't they use Wagner's music in a um, one of the famous Nazi propaganda films? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Which yeah, they, he fits in all that nationalism, right? And you know, you can't talk about Nazis without talking about the occult either. There's a lot of layers to this. Wow, you found yourself quite the onion. They talk about his association with the Rosicrucians. Uh, They talk about, let's see, cultists that have made extravagant claims, wrote that Wagner himself had received instruction in the great principles of the Holy Order from certain secret chiefs, and this accounts for the great harmony between his work and that of other members of the Great Brotherhood. So it seems to be... uh, initiated into some sort of thing, some sort of 
group. So it talks about, let's see, it talks about him being born. Uh, he's the son of Karl Wagner, a petty bureaucrat who had risen to command the Leipzig police. Leipzig uh, is in Germany, I would imagine. Uh, he had a rough life as a boy. Wagner seemed more interested in theater than he did in music. Uh, I don't know. It seems like all kind of biographical. I'm trying to get to the good stuff. <laughs> the real meat. Throughout his life, Wagner enjoyed melodramatic fiction, and as a young man, he fell under the spell of English Gothic novels. There it is. With German translations. Of course, he was an emo weeb <laughs> of the time. When Theater I kid. was a young opposer, my father. <laughs> Wagner <laughs> took me into the city. To exactly. see a gothic play. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And Satan, he showed me his uh, butthole. <laughs> and now I'm a believer. Uh, <laughs> to join the masked parade. Uh, that, that was a stretch. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We, we're having a good time. Yes. This is, this is exactly what it reminds me of is, is that this guy is the, the arcade fire of his day. Uh, Except I would say Arcade Fire is kind of stretched out of that uh, genre a bit. They're a pretty eclectic band, really, when you break them down. But uh, that's beside the point. The Used. So, it's uh, He's the original The Used, if you're familiar yeah. with that band. Uh, I'm not, but uh, I guess... Uh, it's Hot Topic. I guess I'll have to look at that. It's a Hot Topic oh, band. Hot Topic. Okay, yeah. 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 Fallout Boy, etc. Yeah. Um. So according to Houston Stewart Chamberlain, Wagner was particularly fond of Zanoni and the Strange Story. These are all kind of archaic stuff. Uh, Wagner, who sometimes seen probably incorrectly as an arch-reactionary and important formative influence in the ideology of Nazism, was deeply involved in the German Revolutionary Democratic Movement of 1848-1849. And that was uh, around the time that... Um, the United States was at war with Mexico when we annexed Texas and California and all the Western territories. So it was around that time. Uh, he was a director of the opera. He was an, an official of the Royal Court in Saxony. Blah, blah, blah. So this would have been during the time before Bismarck, right? What was the year on that again that he was involved with the Democratic Party? This is in 1848-1849. Gotcha. Which apparently was just loaded with civil war. Uh, so they say the civil war broke out in 49. Wow. He fought briefly in the barricades and provisional government was declared. Uh, and then uh, Saxon and Prussian troops snuffed that out. And then evidence in Wagner, Wagner's involvement uh, showed up as treasonable activities. But it was not until 1850 that he fled and uh, and a warrant was issued for his arrest. And for the next 11 years, Wagner was in exile, living in Paris, London, Zurich, various places, usually in poverty. And uh, he suffered from violent headaches and rashes. And uh, he apparently was very miserable during this time. But he it was a period of great artistic achievement. <laughs> he was very sad. And so, of course, he made great music, um, including The Valkyrie. In 1856. Da, 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 That's right. Da, 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 da. 
Actually, I think I think uh, Winter might be my favorite piece of his, The Four Seasons. The Four Seasons. Is that Wagner? Oh, God, I might have shed my hands. <laughs> they don't, uh, well, the ones, the list, the works that they list here are Das Rheingold, Part of the Ring, uh, Valkyrie, and Tristan and Isolde, which I think is a Shakespeare thing. Um, so let's see here. Vivaldi, my apologies. Oh, Vivaldi, yeah, you son of a gun. I know, I'm stupid. You fucking. <laughs> That's it. That's three vaccinations for me. Mm, sorry, sorry about that. Hope you didn't need that, that blood flow in your brain. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> hope you didn't need that. <laughs> Boost and Coke? <laughs> I don't know about that, man. Uh. I was, I was sorry. I was looking for this one. <laughs> oh my! Uh, so you remember that South Park where they do the Broadway? It's the Broadway episode. Oh yeah, the it's all about the subtext. It's all about the subtext. The it's all about the the, con- the yeah the sub the con- mm. subtext. Well. Turns out throughout the present century, Wagner's operas and writings had exerted a considerable, although sometimes hidden, influence on many of the more intellectual occultists, and of course their wives. Um, While a few of them have been attracted by the more repellent aspects of Wagner's personal philosophy, i.e. Nazism, the followers of the uh, German mystagogue Lons von Liebensfeld, see the New Templars, I will. <laughs> Elevated Wagner to the status of a Teutonic guru and folk hero, not because of his music, but because of his anti-Semitism. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. God. <laughs> Most have found Wagner's use of myth and legend attractive in itself and also surprisingly compatible with their own interpretations of Occidental esotericism. Uh, Theodore Roos, a practitioner of sex magic and a predecessor of the Ordo Templi Orientis of Crowley's, was an ardent Wagnerian. And he looked up to Wagner as a sort of intuitive sex magician and attacked sexual symbolism to the spear and the grail of Parsifal, which is a great work of his. Um, yeah, so it goes on to various uh, examples of his of his associations with blood sex magic. Wow. (laughs) And, uh, let's see. Yeah, this is cool. (laughs) Oh, what is this? Oh, the last, the final thing in the, in the whole, uh, article says the chalice of ecstasy find out for themselves the answer to such recondite problems as the occult significance of the destruction of Klingzor's garden. Oh, they're talking about plot points in his, his uh, plays. Or in the operas? In the operas, I mean. Uh, yeah, it's got a bunch of hidden occultism and uh, and uh, alchemy in there as well. Blood magic, sacrifice. Wow, I did not know this about Wagner. Uh, we we have exclusive audio. Oh my goodness, what a sop of all that blood. Ah, oh. This is getting worse. Oh. Wagner again? Come on. 
<laughs> you know, people have to clean this up, Faulkner. <laughs> Every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and twice on Sundays, okay? <laughs> you asshole. You piece of shit. Ugh. Do we have to do it for the matinee, Wagner? Come, come now. <laughs> <laughs> Things that you can say to Wagner and your dog, come. <laughs> Lay down. <laughs> uh, so that is an article from Man, Myth, and Magic, an illustrated encyclopedia of the supernatural, as was gifted by Make Heroism and MK Ultra, or MK Ultra and Make Heroism. I am more than happy to make this a reoccurring segment. I would love to. Yes. Uh, we can We can do that in the future. I've got plenty more where that came from. Here, let me just read a selection of the other uh, titles, uh, topics that are in this particular volume. Just real quick for you. Uh, I'm going to ring them off here. Voodoo, Wagner, uh, Wand, Wandering Bishops, Wandering Jews, War, Water, Weather Magic, Werewolves, Whales, Wheels, Wheel, White, White Magic, Wild Hunt, Wild Wood, Will of the Wisp, Willow. You said Wild Hunt. Interesting. Wild Hunt. Wild Hunt. That's 3022, which is also kind of skull and bonesy. Uh, Will of the Wisp, Willow, Wings, Winter, Witchcraft, Wolf, Woman, Woodpecker, Ren, Ronsky, Rynek, Yahweh, Yeats, as in WB, Yeats, You, Yoga, Zealots, Zen, Zeus, and Zombies. Hmm. That's volume 24. And it just so happens that my next topic is about Zeus. Oh, well. I if like you it. You could believe that. I do believe it. And I'm glad that they shouted out our favorite topic. Hallelujah. A woman. A woman. And yeah. amen. What are the supernatural implications of a woman? <laughs> <laughs> Super nice to meet you. <laughs> Oh my goodness, woman! Oh, bam! Whoa, man! Whoa, Whoa man! <laughs> That's pretty spooky. Pretty supernatural, woman! Oh man! Are you familiar like with when, glowy? When Batman punches somebody, man! Man! All right, I'll I'll rip into this uh, these these clips that I got. I was for some reason interested in. The ancient, the seven ancient wonders of the world. Booberry, are you familiar with the seven ancient wonders of the world? Uh, it's the Grand Canyon. Uh, wait, no, wait. no, not the natural wonders. The man-made. Wonders. Oh, man-made. Uh, Great Wall of China. Uh, Taj Mahal. No, um, and no. These are the, of the ancient world. Ancient. Uh, There's only one of the seven still standing today. Okay, let's back up here for a second. Pyramids of Giza? Yes. One. Uh, mm, I would have to guess something in South America, ancient ruins related. Um, Uh, To lighten it down again, all of these were located within what could be considered the ancient empire of Greece. Of ancient um, Greece. So most of them were in Europe and Eurasia. Okay, okay. Uh, Would Stonehenge be there? The new Seven Wonders are right, though. You got the Wall of China and all that stuff. Uh, Stonehenge is not, but that is a good guess. Ah, oh, damn. I, uh, I'm i <laughs> all out of answers. That well, that's cool. Uh, uh, it's interesting because, you know, you hear about the Seven Wonders of the World. They're the new ones, as you know, which are the Great Wall, and you could consider that. But the ancient ones, people don't really know them. 
A lot of people can't really come up with them off the top of their head. And I could myself only think of like three. I could think of the Great Pyramids of Giza. I could think of the Gardens of Babylon, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Oh, yeah. Okay. And and the Colossus at Rhodes, the Great Bronze Colossus. Was that a giant statue? Yeah, it was a giant bronze statue that stood at the mouth of the Bay of Rhodes. Okay. And it had a, I think it had a torch, and so it served as like a lighthouse as well. Hmm. Uh, it was pretty sick. It was this tall bronze statue. Uh, the other ones, which I wasn't so familiar with, were the lighthouse at Alexandria, which I've seen pictures of, um, or at least uh, rent artistic renditions. As I said, all of these structures are now gone except for the pyramids. And even the pyramids are only a shell of what they once were. Um, the other one is the Temple of Artemis, the Mausoleum of Holocarnassus, and the Statue of Zeus at Olympia. And I was like, wow, let me look at this Statue of Zeus. That was the one that I really didn't know. I'd never heard. I, I'd like heard of it, but you'd never really hear about this, this Statue of Zeus. And it turns out, that it's actually really kind of influential in uh, in in Western art. Uh, if you would please get the clips ready yep. and play uh, Zeus One. Although all seven wonders lay inside the Greek Empire, only one stood within mainland Greece. In the 5th century BC, Greece was invaded by Persian armies. By 480 BC, the Persians had taken Athens, destroying much of the city. But the Greeks fought back and defeated the Persians. Within ten years, the statesman Pericles came to power. Athens was rich from the spoils of war. Pericles commissioned monuments glorifying its victory, including a new temple to the goddess Athena, the Parthenon. It was decorated with lavish friezes. The most famous are known today as the Elgin Marbles. The finest Greek sculptors worked on the Parthenon. Pericles was so impressed with one in particular, named Phidias, that he made him the chief designer. Phidias would become the Michelangelo of the Greek age. Phidias was asked to make a statue of the goddess Athena to stand inside the Parthenon. Crafted from ivory and gold, he designed it to stand 40 feet high. Statues and monuments were being commissioned across the country, and artistic rivalry was intense. Phidias was determined that his Athena would outshine every other statue in Greece. I think I would give my left nut for that music bed that, that they use for this. <laughs> it's a lot better than the music bed in the clips that I got. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's funny. It's like, uh, I don't know which, I, for some reason, video games are now what I associate this music with. Mm, mm-hmm. Like fucking Halo or something. God of War, maybe. God of War, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Interesting. These are the games that... <laughs> these, it- it looks like just by the based off the chat, which you can go to uh irc.zeronode.net, hashtag green room, that's where we hang out. It's also on our website, you can click the green room tab behind the schemes.com. Uh but it looks like I missed the ding. I, I, I didn't catch the, the thing. No, you didn't catch it. No. 
I think I might oh. know the area where it happens. It's in the first uh, 30 seconds. All right, let's, uh, let's take it back. My apologies, everybody. Although all seven wonders lay inside the Greek Empire, only one stood within mainland Greece. In the 5th century BC, Greece was invaded by Persian armies. By 480 BC, the Persians had taken Athens, destroying much of the city. But the Greeks fought back and defeated the Persians. Within 10 years, the statesman Pericles came to power. Athens was rich from the spoils of war. Pericles commissioned monuments glorifying its victory, including a new temple to the goddess Athena, the Parthenon. It was decorated with lavish friezes, the most... <laughs> lavish. Lavish? Love it. Uh, uh, it's in there. I didn't ask him to do that. It <laughs> came like that. Prepackaged. So, uh, so Phidias is the name of this great sculptor and this great architect, this great, um, you know, mastermind and, and artist of, of the time. They call him the Michael, Michelangelo of the ancient world. And I'd never really heard of this guy, but after looking at his resume, it's pretty fucking impressive. So the first thing that he's recorded, you know, forever is participating in is the Parthenon. The Parthenon in Athens, which is one of the most fundamental buildings in Western civilization, loaded with occult uh, imagery, and indeed is placed on the earth latitude and longitude-wise in such a way as it correlates with other ancient sites, uh, other great mystery sites like Anchor Wad and like Easter Island and and Cairo and all these places. They all kind of line up in a certain way. And uh, so the, the Parthenon is this big deal. And it turns out that he he started off as like a chiseler and an artist for it. And then by the end of it, he, had, he was made by the sort of king of Greece uh, as the chief architect of the Parthenon. And also he constructed this big statue of Athena, because we are in Athens, of course. So he creates this big statue of Athena after they finish the Parthenon, uh, right in front of the building. <laughs> you know what so. you know what Athena said when she they, she they were like, Hey Athena, we want you we want to build a statue for you. What do you want it to look like? She wants she, and Athena looked down and said They look lavish as fuck. <laughs> Or something to that effect. I couldn't quite get the words out, but... <laughs> they were hoping. They were like, please, Athena, I hope you think this is nice. Oh, sweet baby this. lavish. Did it for you. It's so nice. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, yeah, Athena's total bamf. Oh, a total babe. Total yeah. bamf. Total badass mofo. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the goddess of war and triumph and, and, and like, all of that. I mean, you know, they gave it to uh, Ares... Or whatever is the god of war, but let's be real, you know, Athena was the one who was who's pulling all the strings. If you've ever read the Homer epics, she's the one who who makes shit happen and gives all of the great Greek heroes all the things they need to to persevere. Yeah, Ares is too much of a braggart. Yeah, he's, he's too busy just, he's just fucking boasting and fucking just <laughs> railing Greek goddesses. Yeah, banging <laughs> Aphrodite on the side, and you know. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big sticky mess over there with these gods. But Athena was pretty uh, chaste as far as the gods and goddesses were concerned, relatively speaking. 
Um, but anyway, so this guy, uh, he, you know, he's a big star. And they give him all these really nice materials to build this stuff, including the most uh, precious metal of all, gold. Ooh. So they're giving him heaps of gold to build this, and he may or may not have uh, reallocated some of that gold to certain pockets. If you'll please play Zeus too. Midas's great achievement was to meet this challenge, and after he made the Athena, virtually every other Greek town wanted such a statue. Thaddeus was heralded as a genius, but his name became blackened by scandal. On completing the Athena, he was unable to account for all the gold he had used. Thaddeus was accused of embezzlement by those eager to bring down his powerful patron. Fortunately for Phidias, news of his spectacular Athena had traveled to Olympia. He was now commissioned to make a statue of Zeus to stand inside the temple there. So, in 438 BC, to escape the scandal in Athens, Phidias left for Olympia. The site of the Olympic Games was dominated by a temple. It awaited Phidias's masterpiece. The Olympic Games attracted competitors from all over the Greek world. Wars stopped when the Games were held in honor of Zeus, the supreme god. arrived in Olympia to take up his new commission. With his reputation on the line, he approached the great temple. So it seems that the Eleans, having seen or heard about what was up in Athens, decided, we want one of those too, and we want Phidias to make it for us. And they went, and they commissioned him to do that. Hmm. Yes. So, uh, any thoughts? Um, no, I just, I'm I'm along for the ride for this next one, I think. All right. Well, just to recap, he gets in a little trouble. He might have pocketed a little gold. He gets out of Athens and they commission him in Olympia to, to make the Zeus statue. In the Olympia's, temple. Which is a big the, deal. I mean. Huge you deal. Got, you got people from all over coming to flock to the temple. And, uh, I guess would Zeus technically qualify as the high god? We were talking about that a little bit last week. Um, yes. Okay. A high god and, and one of the original gods that they can find. I mean, they've been worshiping him for as, as long as they, they can find anything on this religion. But I don't know. Like, I guess one of the things that was mentioned in the, um, in the book, the mammoth and magic book is that, uh, you know, the, the high god was, had this court of lesser god and maybe not lesser, but, uh, like officers or whatever the fuck you want to call them. Um, mm-hmm. that had more interactions with the people because this high God was sort of removed. But, uh, Zeus also got down and clowned around quite a lot from what I remember. He definitely <laughs> did interact with people. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Uh, one of he- my, one of my favorite Zeus quotes is if it moves, it grooves. <laughs> he was the Mac daddy of the ancient world. There's no doubt. But yeah. in all of the stories, other than him going around and sleeping with women, 
or certain stories like of um like of the couple that were poor and he gave them the gift of being an olive tree to be together in eternity or whatever. There are certain stories where Zeus is the main character and he goes and he actually interacts with people, but in the vast majority of the literature and you know, especially in the Homer stuff, he doesn't really do anything. He's he's an observer and it's everybody else who's actively participating. Like for example, in the Trojan War, it's really Athena and Poseidon who are the ones that are that are acting up. And everybody has a stake and everybody has their favorites, uh, but Zeus himself doesn't really involve himself in any of that. And then uh, the Greek gods themselves are kind of their own class because they themselves are descended from a different type of god, the Titans. Cronus mm-hmm. and uh, I guess and, would that uh, be the mother? Uh, Gaia. Gaia, yeah, Mother Nature. Yeah, Mother Earth and Mother Earth and, and a, a domineering, you know, patriarchal Kronos type of entity. Well, that, wait, is it is it the I guess the um, the sky and the Earth? So the father and mother coming together, then having the Titans, which then had Zeus, or was it a Gaia and Kronos uh, union? I think, well, the one that I'm familiar with is Gaia and Kronos union. And Zeus wasn't even the oldest, because there were others that were born and then eaten. Kronos ate his own children, and then when Zeus was born, then, you know, he was stowed away and one day grew up to to open up his father's stomach and let all of his siblings out. <laughs> so it goes the story. So he wasn't even necessarily the oldest, but he was the most powerful of that class of God. And they are in, in a way a, an ideal of, of the, the Titans being the natural gods that are even more further removed from human beings. These gods are somewhere in between. And you were totally correct. They, uh, they were a pair. They were an item. As the kids say. Yes, yes, they 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 did it. They did it. They got it. Surely we can come up with some witty celebrity celebrity combo name like they do. <laughs> it's there somewhere. If anyone's made it for, Ga- for them, it Ga- should Ga- be <laughs> Gronos? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> the uh, meme continues on thousands of years later. It'll never end. Uh but yeah, it was a big it was a big deal for him to make the Zeus statue at you know at Olympia where they held the games by Mount Olympus where the gods were said to live, and it was mentioned in the first clip that he had a very good relationship with Pericles, who is one of the great statesmen of the day, and was uh, one of the main architects of Greek culture following the um, following the Persian Wars, which we've mentioned with uh, Herodotus. And uh, 300 and all that stuff. We've kind of mentioned that period. So this is all coming out of that. Um, And uh, how he did it is really cool. Of course, time and time again in ancient uh, examples of great works, whether they be architectural, artistic, or whatnot, you will find that methods were used, which to us can sometimes be mysterious. We don't know how they did it. They do cool things. And we, with all of our science and technology, still cannot replicate uh, those techniques. Man, we can't even replicate 64 fucking kilobytes. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how obsolete shit gets after like five years, ten years. 
And then 20 years, it's like a joke. It's like, it may as well have not even existed. Do you think it would be just as interesting if we knew how they created all of these monoliths in in antiquity? Uh, or do they lose some of that mystique and mystery? All mysteries are imbued with the 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 fact that you don't know. When when you do know, then it's no longer a mystery. It's no longer special. It's just another thing, another reality of the, of the world. All mysteries rely on you fucking being like, "Whoa, how'd you do? Oh my <laughs> god, there's no way. How'd you do?" Oh! And then as soon as, oh, that's how you did it? Oh, I can do that. (laughs) That's easy. (laughs) That's easy. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a, I don't know. I guess that's my answer to that question. (laughs) Was it a good answer? Probably not. Uh, How about uh, Zeus 3? I like the answer, by the way. Oh, thank you. Until Phidias, ivory carving had only been executed on a small scale. Phidias designed the Zeus to be taller than a four-story building. It would fill one end of the temple. It was too large to be carved out of solid blocks of ivory. So he developed a technique which has never been surpassed. The structure of ivory is such that you can unscroll it. You have to imagine it as if you're unpeeling an onion or putting a pencil in an old manual pencil sharpener and turning it, and you get a thin, narrow shaving strip of ivory. And no one had tried to do this before, and that's really what was original. Phidias developed a secret method for softening the ivory. Only a few ancient recipes survive. Professor Kenneth Lapatin is the first to rediscover them. Some seem to be a bit fantastic, like wrapping them in fish skin, uh, which I have never tried to do. Others say boil three days with mandrake roots, which seemed a bit dangerous to try. Others said soak in oil, which did nothing for me. Uh, but Not one said soak in vinegar, which I did do, and, and that produced results. And what happens is I'm sorry. I mean, I, you could probably, like, find proper safety precautions when it comes to working with mandrake. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what he. I didn't really just, look into it. Just sitting here poo pooing it all. Um, I guess I, I didn't know. realize that ivory could come in huge blocks. Like, doesn't come in blocks. It's uh it's the tusk, right. and and the tusk itself is actually hollow to a degree. It's like a big hollow tooth. Okay. When, when you get it, when when you have it to process, and so the idea is that he found a way to soften this and like. Roll yeah, it, uh, peel flatten it, back it out. And, yeah, make sheets of it. Uh, it, I guess I thought they had said something about a block, and I just started imagining it was more like marble blocks, I guess. Uh, yeah, which is how they've replicated because they've replicated the statue time and time again. And now mm-hmm. when they do it, they use marble. Yeah, okay. And they use shit like that. But for this, it's crazy. They, they, as you said, they made a wooden frame and then, yeah, basically used ivory like paper mache. <laughs> Which is insane. <laughs> That's uh. <laughs> I mean, if they really did the shavings too, like if they didn't just simply soften it up, cut it, and then flatten it out, if they really actually like shaved it, like pencil shavings, that would be even crazier too. It'd be like gold leaf, but but ivory leaf. 
Oh. Not the whole bone, right? I mean, you eat the bones as well? I eat the bones. Uh, sorry, we can, uh, we can get back. I'm going to take your clip back a little bit. Okay. Which I did do, and, and that produced results. And what happens is that the ivory, which is tooth, it's largely calcium, has some of its chemical components leached out of it, and it becomes soft and flexible. And then you can mold it to shape and dry it out, and it will maintain that shape. And it was Fidus's genius that assembled these techniques from various different crafts to make this wonder of the world. To get those sounds in there, them shaving away that ivory. <laughs> so not only was he a good, a great artist and a great sculptor, but he was an alchemist. He he had skills pertaining to chemistry, and and he used yeah. that in softening his art. the calcium. Yeah, a yeah. method that we can't replicate, that we have yet to replicate. Hmm. And if people really wanted to, I'm sure they'd figure it out. But, you know, in the Western world, getting ivory is kind of, uh, you know, faux pas. You're not really supposed to do ivory anymore. <laughs> I guess it really just depends how much of a bitch you want to be. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you want to go out there and start poaching, see what happens. You got to fight elephants, hippos, and the local law. So good luck. <laughs> I got this. Yeah, nice elephant gun. I knew you had one sitting around somewhere. The big poons. Uh, that scratched the elephant. Now it's pissed yeah. and it's coming at you. That didn't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and now the local law enforcement heard you. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, talk about the construction a little more. Is that the, is that the Kenyan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Drop your gun now. <laughs> <laughs> we have to continue on. <laughs> Zeus 4. The Zeus began as a wooden framework. To this, the molded ivory sections were fastened. Okay. Yes. The statue was built up, Cut. piece by piece, to a height of 45 feet. Wow. Yeah. It took over Fucking seven tall. years before Phidias was satisfied everything was perfect. 45 feet, is that about what? Four it's stories? over four stories. Yeah. I've got trees in my backyard that are like 40 feet, 45 feet, and they're very tall. It's Damn. very, very tall. It's That's... like basically stacking four or five of you on top of one, or more than that, more than, uh, I mean, if you were 10 feet tall, you'd stack four of you. So depending on you're six feet tall, it would be like, yeah, stacking yourself five or six times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, massive statue. Yeah. When uh, <clears throat> on tour, we would trim out our electrics at like 25 feet. So I mean, you're talking like the size of the from the stage deck all the way to the top of the flyhouse. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's massive. That's a ton of ivory. <laughs> it's a ton of shit. It's massive. And yeah. just think about a standard room. Any standard room is is nine to ten feet. If it has a plenum, it's nine feet typically. Especially in a commercial situation, it will be that. And then in any like just normal room where there is no plenum, you got a ten foot room. So just think of any room stacked on top of itself yeah. four and a half times, and that's how tall this thing was. Um, and it was constructed in seven years, seven years, which is a short time and a long time to me at the same time. It's like you you spent seven years, almost a decade of your life, working on one thing. 
But I mean, but if the was... compensation's there, oh yeah, if he's no, just he's... raking it in. Oh, he's definitely getting paid. It's also funny that you'd have to dish out that kind of dough. You got to pay some guy and his crew for seven years <laughs> to get your one statue. <laughs> It's real, real shit. You gotta pay him for seven years to boil and mold bone. Yeah, get him all the the ingredients, the vinegar, whatever it is he needs. Soften up that stuff. It gets a uh, little, uh, it gets a little difficulty when you put it like that. I'm not gonna lie. Well, there may be a certain string that ties all of these things together. Hmm, interesting. You, uh, you can always assume. And the Parthenon, I have to say. We haven't talked about the Parthenon at length, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with all of the things that I mentioned earlier about it being on a certain longitude latitude and having all these sacred geometry elements to it. But the fact that he was the chief architect of the Parthenon just goes to show that this guy knew all about these mystery school themes that we talk about. Um, Sacred geometry, numbers, and all of that. And proportions as well. I mean, the proportion of the Parthenon is similar in the same to Giza, in the sense that when you find this proportion, it's the proportion of, of all the heavenly bodies that we associate with, including the Earth. Um, it has similar proportions to the Earth, similar proportions to the Moon, the distance between the Earth and the Moon, the size of the Sun, and the distance between that. It all has that hidden in there. So this guy knew what he was doing. And... All of the statues that you see that are based off of it, and in the United States, there's two statues in particular that are famous that directly use this statue as a reference. The most famous being the Lincoln Memorial. Oh, yeah. So if anyone doesn't know, in the United States, we have at the mall in Washington, D.C., the Lincoln Memorial, which is probably maybe 20 feet, 25 feet, and it is made out of marble, and it's a big giant statue of Lincoln sitting in a chair, much like Zeus is sitting in this chair. And the the statue, I should probably describe just briefly what it looks like, uh, the original statue of Zeus. It was, a, as we said, a 40, 45-foot-tall statue sitting in a chair, so not even standing. And it's in this tight, domed temple of Zeus, so it kind of gives the illusion that if the Zeus like stood up, he would he would blast through the roof, you know. So they give him like this calm, cool sort of look that really took off apparently from there. Because before that, all the statues were like in action. This one is very cool, yeah. And it's it's very occulty in that in the right hand it holds justice or the god of justice, Nike, made famous by the shoe company. Um, you have Nike in one hand, and then in the other you have a, a scepter or a spear and an eagle, and that is very American uh, symbolism right there. Our emblem being an eagle that holds a series of spears or a series of arrows. So that's taken directly from that, or at least it pays reference to it, wittingly or not. And then the other statue, the American statue that reminds, and it's way more like it than even the Lincoln statue, is is the statue of Washington. Ah, yes. Uh, that they have, which is, like, comically similar to, like, your typical Baphomet uh, image of 
a shirtless entity sitting as with the as above, so below arms and hands positioning. Uh, with Washington, you have the right hand pointing up to heaven, and with the left hand, you have extending a sword, which is representing uh, Washington giving the power to the people. Yes, and, I actually just dropped a, a picture in the chat for anyone that wanted to check it out. Yes, yes, and you've made the art before, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It's a, so, it's a pretty badass statue. It's a badass it's, statue. It's got, it's got a lot to say. And, a lot to say about one of America's founders. Yeah, and about <laughs> just like the whole vibe. I've seen other statues. I was looking at a couple different statues of Washington. There's one where they made him as a Roman general, which I thought was really cool. I've never oh, seen yeah. before. Nice. Um, but all these sorts of things draw from this old ancient statue. Now, is it around today? No. Well, what happened to it? Well, we'll close off with Zeus 5. Uh, yes, I can do that. Uh, there it is. Over 450 years after Phidias' world wonder was made, Roman soldiers and workmen arrived with special orders from the Emperor Caligula. He had instructed them to bring the statue back to Rome so he could put his own head on it. Legend recalls the statue let out such a loud cackle of laughter the scaffolding collapsed and the workmen fled. Luckily for them, the ruthless emperor was assassinated before they returned to Rome, empty-handed. By 391 AD, the Christian church banned pagan cults and closed the temples. The Olympic Games ceased, and the great sanctuary of Olympia fell into disrepair. When the Seuss was 800 years old, it was bought up by Luasus, an imperial chamberlain from Constantinople, installed in his palace art collection there. Phidias' world wonder would not survive for long. The fire destroyed the palace and the collection, cremating the finest statue of all time. Damn. Mm-hmm. And you see a total, like, uh, Uno reverse card from the Christians to the Romans. <laughs> yeah, talk, most talk about definitely. shit. <laughs> Get After fucked. being persecuted for hundreds of years, they're like, how do you like it? How do you like it now, huh? Huh, son? Huh? Huh? Uh, oh, man, Jesus, he's so merciful, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes, you do. Oh, man, there's a no agenda. Uh, you would be punished. Uh, I so I did get a chance to pull. It was on my list, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. Isn't they great? Those, those Christians, they're great. Uh, so the whole thing was burned up in some guy's art gallery. Typical. But it was around for about half a millennia. And um, they know about it from drawings, know about it from people writing about it. It was minted on coins. Mm. Hey, that's so, a great way to seem, uh, cement it. Yes. I think putting something on a coin is, is a great way to immortalize anything. <laughs> Especially the Joe Biden coin. <laughs> the Biden coin, which I still haven't posted anywhere. <laughs> But I showed you. I keep I keep thinking because I showed you I posted it, but I bought 
the the official Joe Biden build back better coin, which I will have forever. Now I can forever remember this dumbass. People are coming because I'm the nice guy. That's the reason why it's happening. Ugh. Oh yep. man, but our patience is wearing thin. Yes, they called Joe Biden the the uh, the Pericles of our time, the great leader. The great reformer. 970 million votes, everybody. And counting. <laughs> Every year he gets more and more votes. Uh, yep. So that was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. Because uh, I just, I don't know, I felt like exploring these these great, great old things. There's some something really special about something that was wonderful and was built and was around for thousands of years, and yet was destroyed before you were around. Something romantic about it. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, tales of a bygone time. Ah, indeed. And now we got these pit... Dude, the Lincoln Memorial is like half the size of this thing. Look oh. how big this thing is. And all, all fucking Washington got was an obelisk. I mean, come on. Yeah, he got, he got stuff. He's got a pretty badass statue. His... Statues are all about him resigning. It's all about him giving up power. Uh, the big statue of his in the Capitol building, which was stormed, the insurrection, mm. uh, is is a statue of him handing the con- the Congressional Congress his resignation letter as Commander in Chief of the Army. It's Fuck you! I'm going home to my farm. <laughs> hey man, I've spent. Uh... You're welcome. Uh, I spent some time up at Mount Vernon. It's a nice property. Um, oh, I'll, I'll bet. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's a, you know, right there, kind of on a bluff, big farm. And they got a, they, they actually have a hotel that we, uh, we, we got a booking for one time because we were doing a music event there for the weekend. And, uh, the, the property manager set us up at the hotel and like part of, uh, Jackie Kennedy's crew had stayed there back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a little hotel uh, right That's there. Cool. They still got, uh, you know, clothes from the era that they have under lock and treatment. Make sure they don't just deteriorate away. Sure, uh, sure. They do a good job of preserving all that stuff. They've even got, I saw when, when Washington resigned, he went to all these different taverns in New York. To say farewell to all of his officers and all of, all of the military, and a lot of those taverns are still there in like Manhattan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they got the one in Boston where they were planning the whole goddamn thing too. The Green yes. Dragon, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Which, all again, the holy shit. shit! That that's a little Satan-y. Green Dragon, mm. the Great Serpent. The serpent. You know what I'm These saying? These Gnostic assholes, dude. They never <laughs> stop. They're glowing in the dark. These guys eat Demiurge for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, man. That reminds me, in, in my intermission, uh, there will be a little Bill Cooper segment. Oh, hell yeah. Kind of get into that. Oh, so hot. So hot. Uh, hot. You want to do some hot voicemails? Yes. hot Hot voicemails, please. Behind the schemes, behind the schemes, motherfucking, motherfucking, behind the schemes, behind the schemes, behind the schemes, 
motherfucking motherfucking behind the schemes, behind the schemes, behind the schemes, motherfucking motherfucking behind the schemes, behind the schemes, behind the schemes, motherfucking motherfucking behind the schemes. Clip it, seal it, put it away. That's in the archive. Thank you, caller. I can do that right now, actually. We have the technology, people. Mm. We can build them back better, faster, stronger than ever before. The $6,000 man. <laughs> the six bucks and whatever change I could find in the couch, man. I'll be there soon. <laughs> I'm having issues. <laughs> I need repairs real quick. Watch can me. you loan me $50? <laughs> uh, uh, let's do another one. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure what's happening in this next voicemail or screen mail. I'm very excited about it, though. Oh, I love you like chainsaws are loved by the trees. Why don't you come here and take after from me? From me. In the green room, everybody, we love you. Good morning. <laughs> You just got spinal tapped. I'm wiping my misty eyes at the moment. I'm wiping uh, the sweat from my brow. Oh, man. That was... Uh, I know that I voice know. all too well. I know who that and was. It's Gwiffy Baby, the King of Kent. Love that guy. This guy. This I thought fucking it was Machine guy. Gun Kelly. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Gwiff! Uh, yeah! Yeah! Hell yeah, that's awesome. And they, uh, I haven't caught it yet, but, um, he just, uh, did an episode of Smash Cast with DC Girl. Yeah, DC Girl was at the, uh, the meetup tonight, or whatever. And whatever it was. Oh, shit, so it was Mita's and Dame Jennifer? I can't wait to hear about it. So uh, that wasn't Jinta? That was Gwiff? Was it? I oh. could I thought it was Jinta, but but it was Gwiff, you thought? I thought it was Gwiff. <laughs> well, well, we'll see. We'll find out. <laughs> I, you know, when we were talking about trusting your gut there earlier, <laughs> uh, not only did I trust it and fall flat on my face, I feel like, but I'm starting to trust it again, and I'm probably right about it's, uh, it probably wasn't Gwiff, was it? <laughs> I don't know. Did they call with a ten-digit a phone number? No. One of those English numbers? I, <laughs> no, let's take it back. I <laughs> love you like chainsaws are loved by the trees. Why don't you come here and take after from me? Pre it's like, it's right through there. Uh, it, I, I got some, some English vibes from it, and... Uh, Damn. Well, it's going to be left to artistic <laughs> interpretation. We may never know. We may never know, indeed. But I do like this a lot, though. I'm going to definitely save this. I love you like chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm saving that one as well. Hell yeah. Uh, one more? It's super short. Do we? How many more we got in, in all? Uh, we have three total left. All right. We'll do one more short one. 
That sounded like one jet flying, limousine riding, son of a gun. And he's having a hard time keeping these gators down. Woo! (laughs) 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 That man spelt more money on spilt liquor than you made. Rise to the top. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hide the schemes you call yourself. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) The fashion icon. The greatest that maybe has ever graced anyone ever. Woo! Nature Uh, boy. Nature boy. Uh get any anything you want to tell us about intermission for tonight? Yes. Tonight's Mm. intermission is gonna be loaded with Folk classics, classic protest songs against war, and 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 uh, a live speech by the great William Cooper that he did in '96. Very Woo. cool. Always, always like a little bit of Bill Cooper. Oh yeah, it's good Who's shit, man. Tat, shut him up. Dictator Putin, time to lie in your bed. Time for your bunker and a pillow for your head. Your work is all done, your destiny complete. Now it's time to sleep. Come on, Putty, come to your bed. Your heart, you know, is already dead. Good Russian people built a bunker for you with a sheet and a pillow for old Putty Dick. Tater Putty, time to lie in your bed. Time for your bunker and a pillow for your head. Come on, Putty, come to your bed. Your heart, you know, is already dead. Your work is all done, your destiny complete. Now it's time to sleep. Now it's time to sleep. People, evil versus good. Spank that little prick. Bear ass against wood. Spank him till he squeals. Beat his bottom till it bleeds until his soul reveals. That's what Putin needs. Everybody get your stick 
fat little prick. The little birds is humanity. Pull down your pants, pony. You're going to get a spanking. A bare bottom spanking. Your ass gonna get beat. That's what Putin needs. Pull down your pants, Putin. Bend over. Grab your knees. You're gonna get a spanking. That's what Putin needs. That's what Putin needs. That's what Putin needs. Because it was a learning experience. And having gone through that learning experience, you're a better person now.
We now return to Behind the Schemes. Starring Booberry, 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 and Lavish, 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 Lavish. Welcome back to second second half of show for Behind the Schemes. I've got Pabst Blue Ribbon on oh my, my mind. This is, in fact, not a Pabst Blue Ribbon, uh, but I am quite familiar with that beverage. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone should be if they've fallen in hard enough times. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, was, welcome back behind the screams. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I like that one. The the surf jam or, or the whole thing? The surf jam, especially. You know, it yeah. gets my uh, Jimmy's a little stewarded. I gotta throw a little surf in there for the boobs. And Lord <laughs> knows I love surf too. It's not a it's not difficult to throw a little surf in there. No, not at all. But uh, we had a little folky jam, as you heard, uh, Putin pillow and spank Putin. <laughs> uh, written by some brave soul. Who's distributing their uh, their triumphant protest music to the world? Thank God. Thank goodness. Uh, yep, all of the uh, songs that were in intermission can be found in the show notes. Zoso's corner, Zosobi Booberry Mothman. Uh, but yes, it is episode ninety-seven, second half of show, second second half of show, May sixteenth, twenty twenty-two, ten twenty-two p.m. Pacific. And twelve twenty-two Central. Uh, it's midnight in in uh, boob sewer. <laughs> uh, I almost pulled some Bill Cooper clips for tonight. I, I just I kind of ran out of time. Uh, mm. And you know his his things are so long, which is good. I'm glad that you can still find them in full length format. But, Me too. Uh, that was going to be too many rabbit holes to dive down through tonight. Um, Indeed, and thank you, Dark Lord RK, for the. Love, yeah, Bill Cooper. He, you know, it's it's heavy material. Yeah, um, I do want to go ahead and get into thanking some of the producers that came out for this week's episode, or Freaks of Hazards. Hell yeah! Um, starting off with Mitch from Pod uh, Podverse. <laughs> Mitch, he did something. Uh, I don't think has ever happened to uh, myself. He set up the Podverse account that I use with a thousand-year subscription, meaning yep. my Podverse account uh, will last until the year thirty twenty-two. No, uh, you got to bump those numbers up. <laughs> those are rookie numbers. You uh, got to go to at least the year four twenty. <laughs> Hundred. <laughs> uh, I think that's amazing. I mean, like, realistically, that's, that's you know, you could fucking, I could take you know, someone from the dark ages could have created an OPML file that had all of their podcasts in it, and it would have lasted till this very year. <laughs> you you could have give it to your grandchildren and your great grandchildren, and and on and on. And five hundred <laughs> years from now, they're like, yes, my great ancestor started this Podverse account. Where did it come from, Daddy? Oh, well, child, it came from my father, and his father, and his father's father, and his... His father's 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 father. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. 
Yeah. Goes Pum. all the way back. <laughs> yeah. Back awesome. in the beginning when there was something called podcasting 1.0. Uh, I think my tentative plan is uh, I'm going to subscribe to as many shows through that account and just, you know, see if I can keep doing it on the, on the long term. I think that would be pretty fascinating. The road is wide open for you. Thousand yeah. years. May you reign a thousand <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Well, thank you again, Mitch. I, I really appreciate that. It's, uh, it's exciting to think about. Yes. You can find uh, Podverse at podverse.fm. Uh, which we're also live through uh, using the, the live item tag. You can also check us out live on CurioCaster every... Uh, Monday night, 7.30, 9.30, 10.30 Eastern. Also at BehindTheSchemes.com. Word up. We're, li- we're lit on all kinds of things. And good night, Junta. Good night, Junta. Junta. Good night. Uh, we also uh-huh. had Coffee Von Dustbubble coming in again with their monthly donation of $3.33. I thank you, Coffee. Very kind of ye. Yes, we really appreciate that, the... Uh, I really appreciate the sustaining donations as a whole. Um, yes, they're very gracious and thoughtful, and they really do help us out a lot. Yeah. Um, I think the tentative plan is maybe a button maker or a network-attached storage device. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> yes, exciting things, yes, to come. Uh, speaking uh, so of, thank you, Coffee. Yes, thank you. And speaking of exciting... Um, this is a, a, a wow. I, I can't explain how exciting this was, but Cotton Gin and Servo spent all, almost all of Wednesday night helping me get set up with a ZNC bounce server. So every time I close my computer from now on and then uh, reopen HexChat, it'll connect automatically because I'm tied into the ZNC server. And it also mm-hmm. means the one on my phone is uh, is working with that as well. Uh, it's it's very cool, very. So legal. wherever you go, you won't get kicked out of the chat. You'll you'll be able to just hop in from all your different uh, devices, yes, and locations. Yes, I couldn't be more excited. Yes, uh, they they were kind of teasing me with other exciting things that uh, that you can do with the um with the server. Uh, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be fun. Hmm. Interesting. Perm- Permalurk. <laughs> Permalurk. <laughs> another sweet perk and another sweet uh, rabbit hole to go down. And we should also um, point out that uh, Servo added a new feature to Gal that directly helps support the production post-production of this show. If you type timestamp at any point now in the chats at hashtag green room, it will create a timestamp. Uh, we, we reset the list tonight at the top of the show and um, if you just pop that word in there, I think ISO will also do it, uh, but it will <laughs> generate timestamps that you can then call up in a list. And we'll uh, we'll see what we can do with those tonight. Um, That's very cool. Timestamp on the go in the chat. Uh, ISO timestamp or time code. Ah, so you have options. Yep. See, it's the, it's the attention to detail that makes Gal the best bot. Hell yeah. The sexiest bot. The sexiest bot around. The best chat bot that's probably ever been made. Mmm. Indeed. 
That's right. Cutting edge stuff. Up to this date, anyway. But thank you, Cotton Gin and Servo, for the ZNC bounce server. Uh, <laughs> sweet. Hell Anything yeah. more on, on that, on them, before I thank uh, our next producer? Uh, I think you should get straight into it. Well, this next producer I want to thank personally from the bottom of my heart. This is, of course, Sir Manny, who has uh, who has been one of our elite uh, freak of hazards uh, for the run of the show. And we always appreciate it when he comes in with any uh, anything at all, including information as to what he's going through in his life over in Uh He has graciously allocated on, on last week's No Agenda episode... Uh, he was an associate producer, and he donated a certain sum of money to No Agenda in my name. Uh, he graciously allocated me that donation, which coincidentally put me over the threshold to be knighted. This is a big thing. That's right. I I was pretty close, uh, and uh, I just I didn't have an opportunity to kind of close it out. At any point in the past couple months. And this guy, my friend Sir Manny here, came in and sponsored me straight into the peerage. Straight in. <laughs> so I'm I'm good to go. I, I am in the clear. He sank your ass. <laughs> That's right. Just like pop. Straight Bam. in the hole. <laughs> Which is how nightings happened back in the day. You had you had to be sponsored by a knight. You couldn't be a knight without being a squire to a knight. You know, did you know this, Booberry? You cannot be a knight without being squire first. That's right. Yes. And you have to serve a knight. Yes. You have to be you are... like a journeyman under the knight. Yes. Uh, and and that's how it worked back in the day. And when you finally were knighted, when you finally were being initiated into the peerage, do you know what your old master would do to you to, <laughs> to initiate you in? <laughs> Clap that ass, I'm not sure. <laughs> Close. Oh. He would clap the cheeks on your face. Oh. He would slap the shit out of you. Wow. So you'd just come up and like fucking open palm bam. Open palm bam with the gauntlet on and everything. Wow. Just absolutely erased your face. (laughs) Face eraser. (laughs) Face eraser. Band name, band name alert. Band name alert. One second. Let me write that down real quick. Face eraser. Band name, band name, band name. <clears throat> nice. Sweet. Uh, face eraser. So, yeah, the knights would, would slap. Uh, maybe not with the gauntlet on, but they'd slap you. Actually, they would. They'd do with the gauntlet on, but they would cub it so they wouldn't blast your ear if they were being nice. Because you could actually rupture your eardrums that way. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Have you uh have you decided on a night name? I have. I have decided on a night name. Uh Ooh. I Ooh. I shall disclose it at this time, I suppose. I, well, I will I will totally I, I I will not hold it against you if you want to save it for I would presume this Thursday. No agenda? Yeah. Uh I th- yeah, what's yeah, today's Monday. I'll make it in time for Thursday. Uh yeah, you can you can listen to it on episode fourteen fifty two. I I gotta actually like think about it a little more. I haven't really thought about it because I I didn't expect this. 
Mm. But I, I had a, a general idea of what I wanted my night name to be. So it should work out. But yeah, so now, thanks to Sir Manny, I'm now a sir. So he, he granted me into the peerage. Uh, I'm having a, even more trouble thinking about what I want to eat at the round table. Um, but that should be easy and it doesn't matter. Just perhaps ste- uh, steaks and coke. <laughs> perhaps, uh, poisons. Look what the cat dragged in on vinyl. I'm not stealing your vinyl idea. <laughs> Why would I do that? So Adam could be like, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? <laughs> well, you don't, you're the only, I think you're really the only person I've ever seen who didn't just ask for food. Like that everyone else asked for at the round table. <laughs> Everyone's like, I want a food and a drink. And you're like, I want a vinyl album and <laughs> <laughs> cocaine. Well, okay, no. The blow is provided. The blow is 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 mentioned directly in the hookers and blow, but they never say anything about straws or you well, know. Well what they did say was, and they were accurately to be to be fair is that the coke gets stuck in the grooves and it ruins the vinyl. You but you do it on the cover. We're the doing cover, it on the cover. The cover. Not on the vinyl itself. Why would they think it was Ah, uh, I don't Mm. Yeah, they got they got tripped out. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I'm going to okay. ask for. Ah, I'm going. Ah, <laughs> I should ask for just a bottle of tequila and a kilo of Colombian. That'll be my my <laughs> night. Here's some cocaine pudding. Here's some more cocaine pudding. Ooh, cocaine pudding. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> a kilo Colombian. <laughs> That's right. And a fine bottle of tequila. Lavish Escobar. oh speaking of drugs i should mention also that i completed one week of microdosing. oh my goodness how was it it was very nice and i think i'm going to continue to do it for another week hell yeah i figured out how to do a good dose where it was it wasn't like wonky or anything it was just uh you know a good clean micro dose in the beginning i was doing a little too much and I was basically doing a mini trip, but you do a little bit and you do it every other day. And it really does like help with your, uh, your, your mentality. It, uh, it helps you kind of see the day a little different, kind of mm. shake, shakes you out of, if you're in a funk, it helps shake you out of the funk. You know, I saw the light. Da, yeah. Da, da, da. Hell yeah. It's, uh, you know, I've never heard any, um, any bad experiences about it. No, only people only I net know, positives. Yes, only positives, and the people who I know who do it all the time seem to be really very happy. Mm-hmm. So they're know. glowing in the dark. They're positively <laughs> glowing. <laughs> oh man! Well, so anyway, I, yeah, I did many microdoses. So much going on. Yes, and uh, I also. Uh, want to thank sir manny I, I thought that was fucking amazing and like i was half paying attention because i was uh running a, an event but then i heard i heard schemes and i was like oh fuck what just happened there i was like well someone just uh calling us out uh, in a donation but lo and behold went back and listened or i think it was uh, asking y'all in the chat yeah uh, very exciting yeah, I did not expect it either. I was I was half paying attention and I heard my name, and and I was like, "What? Huh? Who's saying my name in the donation segment?" And I heard, "I would like to give this to Lavish on the schemes." And I was like, "What? What? What? What?" Wow, I stopped wow. what I was doing and I <laughs> tuned in, went back, and figured out it was Sir Manny. 
Wow. Yeah, what a pleasant surprise. I did not expect that at all. I, there's no way I could have expected that. Well, I couldn't find this, the, the like salute song that I was thinking of, so I got this for him. Sir Manny, you have initiated me into the peerage, and for this, I thank you. <laughs> we here at the Behind the Schemes podcast wish you a hearty job, Les. Sail on, well wishes, stay dangerous, etc. What a boss. Total, bi-definitional, bamf. Yes, definitely. Nice. An executive freak of hazard. If there ever was one. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. Well shit, that's uh that's what happens when you support a show via the value for value method. It's uh the our end of the bargain is we put everything that we do out on the internet absolutely free. You can access it anytime, anywhere, anyhow. Uh share it with anyone and everyone, even your grandmama. Mm-hmm. Um and uh if you No paywall, no bullshit. No, 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 no. There's you know, the Substack. Uh you can always subscribe to it. We ain't gonna charge you for it. Fuck that. Uh, no. And trust me, we could. It's it's delicious. It's way cooler than a lot of shit that's behind a paywall, that's for sure. And it's an interactive show. I mean the the stuff that that uh that you send us we, we put back into the show. Um so it's yes. sort of like a it's a it's a group-driven production. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a beast that we feed. You know, it's does everything goes straight back to the to the beast. You know. Yes. Yes. Feed the beast. The uh, beastberry. It, it'll feel good. <laughs> Ooh, not that one. <laughs> Everyone donated lavishly. Is this making you horny? Oh, I need to get into the garden so I can start making the money. Let's remake the money. I don't have any beef with Ego Raptor. Yeah, you do. Ooh, we just had a boost come through, it looks like. I didn't hear the sound. Why didn't... I didn't hear it either. Uh, it m- must have been because of the because uh, uh, the music, but I will get the tray ready for Fletcher. He sent in 5,555 sets via the Curio Cat. Uh, I'm sorry, Fountain. And uh, it was a lightning bolt and a ghost saying... Boostberry and the lavish, the circle, or I'm sorry, the snow the clown. I, it looks like snowman. The snowman, lavish, the snowman. Oh, I get it. The ice man. Oh, the snowman, the sand oh, yeah. man. Oh, I, I get it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the snowman. Yeah. They call me the ice man. I do cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just black coffee tonight folks Uh, and he also gives us the devil sign the point into a circle sign Uh the hog and the lightning oh my nice work Sarah Fletcher I just remember why the thing wasn't (laughs) because I faded out for the prices right because you muted it didn't you (laughs) oh man there you go, Fletcher. Sorry about the delay. <laughs> wow. Just Got goes it. for it. Oh, she really is into that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Um, let me check uh, screen mails. We got two. 
So we're going to do one now, and then we're going to have to do one at the end of the show. But, but if should- you want to send in any more, you can call us at 612-263-7999, and you can give us another scream if you'd like. <laughs> Doppler effect? <laughs> oh my goodness. How does he do it, folks? It seems that color was stuck in the siren raid. He was Doppling all over the place. He must be a Doppler ganger. <laughs> Doppelganger banger. Doppler gang bang. Hardly know her. I hardly knew her. <laughs> I used yeah. to know her. But I to somebody that I used to know. You know, there's a really good mashup of that song in uh, Danzig, Mother. Really good. Yes, I've heard that cover, yeah. uh, or the mashup. Either you played it or somebody else played it. No doubt. Somebody else around here who plays mix-ups, mashups. Yes. Um... So, the first thing that I got for tonight, uh, it's fairly brief, but it definitely should be brought up. Uh, I don't know if you were aware or not, but Randy Weaver of Ruby Ridge fame has passed away at the age of 74 this past week. Mm, F in the chat for a legend. Yes, uh, definitely felt it was appropriate to take a moment and pause and uh, just uh, briefly discuss what happened to Weaver and his family, if you're not familiar. Um, but basically, he was the target of a case of entrapment by the ATF and the FBI. And when he wouldn't show up for a, a court-ordered appearance, uh, the feds came after him, and it completely shat the bed uh, Amber Heard style. It was so spectacularly a fuck up. <laughs> well, uh, not only that, but they tried to implicate him in a militia. They tried to frame yeah. him for shit. Yeah, being a white nationalist extremist. Typical, like, FBA or CIA honeypotting you into whatever and yeah. getting innocent guys involved in, in shit that they wouldn't do if they weren't honeypotted in the first place. But this guy didn't even really commit to any of that stuff. He just wanted to be left alone in the woods with his family. Yep. And, uh, sadly the, uh, marshals first shot his dog to which, uh, his son and a family friend of theirs returned fire, uh, briefly after. And, uh, his his son was shot and killed in the exchange. Uh, I believe his friend was wounded. Um, and then, yeah, an 11 day siege, uh, took place after that. And, um, not and it just it it never got better by any means because a sniper actually uh shot through the window and uh killed his wife as well um mm-hmm. during one of the days and uh I think she stayed there for two days before they you know negotiated uh bring her back or uh handing her over actually no I guess she stayed there uh until he surrendered. Mm, I don't remember now. Um, I don't remember the the particulars of the siege either, but the the long short of it was that the feds came in, they killed his son, they killed his wife, uh, they shot at them, and they held them up for days, and then after a while they finally surrendered. 
he uh he did sue the fuck out of him in court and won something like 6.1 million dollars from the Department of Justice because they really did fuck up. I mean, yeah. they really went overkill on this guy. I mean, they shouldn't be they shouldn't have gone in there and killed his family. <laughs> I can uh definitely recommend the conspiracy guys episode on Ruby Ridge and an excellent follow-up to that would be the episode on Waco because it turns out that the sniper that uh, shot Weaver's wife was also at the siege of Waco. Mm-hmm. And um, it's believed if I remember correctly, he it's implied, I should say that he took a shot at one of those huge uh, like diesel containers or I'm sorry, maybe it was propane. Um, one of the huge propane tanks outside of the build outside of the compound. And that's one of the things that helped, uh, initiate the fire that inevitably took the building down on top of, you know, the hundreds of pounds of, of CS gas that they were just pumping in because a tank rolled up to the fucking facility and punctured a hole through the wall and just started blasting ass blasted CS, which is cyanide. Um, Mm. Yes. So the similar character, so that which the same character, the, same guys, character. the same character, and then you see these guys they they cross over, they'll be present at these these sort of you know, events, and you see the same names. Yeah, I know there was somebody at Waco who was uh, appointed to some really high position by the Biden administration. He was on. Uh, he was nominated for head of the ATF. Okay. Yeah. Which is, if I know we haven't really talked about the ATF in a a long while, um, but we have had a guest on before, uh, Cadaver Eater, who is very, very knowledgeable of the sort of schemes that the ATF is running on people. A lot of it has Mm -hmm. to do with like tax stamps and shit like that, constantly Mm -hmm. redefining what uh, different components of firearms are. And what constitutes, uh, you know, assault-styled weaponry or different types of, like, the pistol grips is something that uh, they've really been hounding after people. Um, mm-hmm. Conversation for a long, longer, uh, later time. Um, They're constantly coming up with reasons to make guns harder to get certain kinds outlawed. And yes. It's, uh, it's kind of a racket. I do have... <laughs> I do have a, a clip in tribute of Randy Weaver. I thought uh, summed up his life and his experiences with Ruby Ridge uh, fairly poignantly. Um, I'd like to share it with everybody here. Uh, just a way to say goodbye to Randy Weaver. They were a family of extremists. Government is right. Sex shops everywhere and violence. I never heard you talk like this before. Where are you getting all these ideas from? Read your Bible, Mom. There's more to this idea of a Zionist one-world conspiracy than I ever imagined. Amen. Amen. And they were willing to follow their beliefs. You guys are going to go and build a house? We're looking for Ruby Ridge. This is perfect. Praise the Lord. To the very end. World was all that about. Dick, we gotta protect ourselves against who? Everybody. So you really think the end is nigh? Don't you ever think to look around and see what's happening to your country? Take time. Into guns. 
That's my trade. We may do some business together. Mr. Weaver, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. I want to give you a chance to help yourself. They will arrest you, Randy. They'll come up here, they'll kick us off the land, they'll rip this whole place apart. Marshal Brian Jackson, I got one officer dead, got more pinned down. I need help quick. Based on the actual events. What went wrong? Well, we, we might have underestimated them. Told for the first time ever. This isn't leave it to Beaver Ross. They killed a marshal. Randy Quaid. We're not running away! Laura Dern. That's what they'll do to me. They'll probably shoot me. And Diane Ladd. That's my daughter up there. She's no killer. We've been working on some revised rules of engagement. Level the playing field a little. Have you people lost your minds? A chilling, thought-provoking miniseries you will never forget. It looks like Vietnam. Good. The Siege at Ruby Ridge. Nobody knows the truth but us. From ABC Distribution Company. Wow. I couldn't sleep on that one. <laughs> I had no freaking idea that existed. This is a 1996 film by Roger Young, and it's got my boy Randy Quaid as Randy Weaver. Yes. And, <laughs> Perfect person to play that. And it's just it's so synchronistic that it's Randy Quaid of all motherfuckers, because uh, Randy Quaid's uh, been what I would describe as on the run from, um, well, that, that's probably a little more up in the air. <clears throat> Maybe the Hollywood star whackers, I think is what he called them. Well, he's definitely whacked out. I mean, that's the reputation he has at the very least. He's, yeah. he's, he's a little kooky these days, a little cuckoo. Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely in the conspiracy world mm-hmm. and, and has, you know, information man about Hollywood. Anyway, he was a big star in Hollywood for a very long time. Oh, yeah. Um, and his brother still is. But um, Laura Dern as well. And Kristen so Stewart, a super young Kristen Stewart. Uh, Dunst. Kristen Dunst? I'm sorry. Uh, yes, Kristen Dunst. Stewart. Yeah, the Kristen fucking, Dunst. Uh, Kristen Stewart's the uh, vampire yeah. chick. Yeah, yeah Dunst. Spider-Man. <clears throat> Kristen Dunst and also uh, was uh, Jumanji. Mm. Who's the the kid in Jumanji? For anyone who remembers that movie, uh, uh, man, wow! I, yeah, they got a uh, one of the. I'm sorry, it, it was uh, Randy's son in the trailer is the one running around saying or shouting "See Kyle" in front of the. It's like the front porch of the house, and this kid runs up, <laughs> throws up the Nazi salute. Yeah, oh, so they kind of frame him as like, yeah, they really I, were I these. Don't, I don't think it was a kind of. <laughs> No, they do. It was Disney. Disney most definitely <laughs> made a movie with Randy Quaid portraying Randy Weaver as a straight up extremist white nationalist <laughs> hanging out at the Ku Klux Klan rallies. They show up in the trailer burning a cross. <laughs> trying to see if this is really this is really produced by Disney. ABC. Yeah, well, was, actually, was it before ABC was owned ooh, by Disney, though? Interesting. This is in the nineties. Mm, you might have got I'm me looking, there. I'm looking through it right now. <laughs> the American <laughs> Broadcasting Corporation. I mean, let's see. When was it? I gotta look. When Disney acquired Capital Cities and, uh, shit. I'm sorry, I lost the tag. 
1995. In the 50s, purchased 80% of ESPN. Merged with Capital City Communications, purchased by Disney in 95. And this movie came out. I think after 95. (laughs) (laughs) So it is. It is Disney. I mean. Yeah, it was 96. Wow. mm -hmm. Made for TV movie, produced by the mouse. (laughs) With some big stars in there. That means. Maybe before they were famous, but. That means somewhere on Disney's books, they have. On their accounting purchases for <laughs> material, or maybe they just bought straight up Ku Klux Klan um, regalia and hoods. Mm-hmm. Do you think they still have those on a back lot somewhere in storage? Uh, <laughs> I uh, I don't think so. They burn all that shit. <laughs> I can't believe it. You know, Laura Dern was, this is after Jurassic Park. So she's already famous, and then she's in this. This is crazy. And then Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, I think, uh, let's see. She she was in an interview with the vampire in 94. Yeah. So she was super, in that. Yeah. And then Jumanji was 95. That's a little strange. Hmm. And Randy Quaid, I, I'm not as familiar with his uh, catalog. I just well, really know him for uh, uh, Christmas Vacation. Or- yeah, he's super famous in Christmas Vacation. He's also in Independence Day. Oh yeah, that's right. Again, that was oh that might have been later mid uh, mid to late nineties. Yes, mm-hmm. I think so. But he, I mean, he wasn't in a in a ton of like big big stuff, but he was definitely in. Plenty of movies. Uh, and him and Dennis Quaid, I think they both kind of grew up in Hollywood and, and were around since they were little kids. And uh, Oh, shit. The next movie that he made. He made Independence Day the same year as The Siege at Ruby Ridge. <laughs> and in Independence Day, he plays that type. Oh, my God. He made Kingpin that same year. Then he makes Kingpin the next year, well, which, is, of course, is a huge... Uh, oh, yeah. This is all in 96. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> he made C.J. Ruby Ridge, Independence Day, and Kingpin all in the same year. That's insane. Or they they all came out the same year, at least. They all came out the same year, but yeah. still, he, he made it all then in 95 or whatever. But yeah. that's... I mean, they used to make so many movies. That was the end of the period of them just cranking out movies all day long. Um, And then from then on, it just... It just devolves into Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle mm. and uh, Adventures of Pluto Nash, Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. <laughs> oh, he's in Brokeback Mountain. Oh, yeah. I'm not. And he played Colonel Tom Parker in the Elvis television film series. And oh. he self starred in uh, Star Whackers. Yes. Hmm. And Very then cool. 2018 is when he dropped off. After that, he's like, all right, got to go. I have legal issues now. I got to dine and dash in all my hotel bills. Oh, man. Well, that's uh, that's what all I had for uh, Randy Weaver there and that crazy fucking trailer. Um, 
Well, Ruby Ridge is up there with Waco as one of the main examples that we have, one of the best examples that we have of, of governmental overreach and these these organizations making mistakes and killing people. Mm. Oh, shit. I should, uh, <clears throat> um, I should get into the next one that I got. It's a... Uh, this is a story that just scrolled by one day, and it kind of caught my eye, and, and it's one of those that uh, led to some interesting uh, little rabbit holes. But I found an article from muckrock.com. Uh, headline was, Life Imitates Akira, the NSA's Fear of Psychic Nukes. Tell me, what do you know of psychic nukes? Psychic nukes? Yes, uh, like nuclear weapons made of psychic energy. I... The most, the best real life examples I've heard of psychics are indigo children. Are mm. you familiar with indigo yes. children? Yes, I am. Uh, for anyone who isn't, the way that I have interpreted it is that there's certain cultures, in particular like in China, for example, where uh, people are raised in seclusion so far from all of the energies that we deal with, computers, internet, uh, culture as we know it. They're stripped of all that, and, and they're more in tune with their basic primal selves, and, and they're able to accomplish feats that normal people can't do, um, including real telepathy and telekinesis, apparently. Allegedly. Legend and, has it. <laughs> and the idea being that there's enough of them, they can come together and they can channel their energies into doing something. They could, if they wanted to, do something like a, a sort of psychic nuke where they... I guess the the main thing is like X Men, right? The fucking the bald guy from X Men, he can oh, do that. Yeah, Charles Xavier, Xavier, well, Doctor Xavier. Yeah, Charles. and you would uh, take a bunch of them, a group, and and bind them together to grab that collected energy um, from the lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, right. Muckrock is talking about this NSA uh, memo that was released in the 70s, and they wondered or speculated if 10 psychics could cause a chain reaction that would cause a city to become lost in time and space. Mm. Yes. Uh, This classified document opened with uh, an odd sequence of events relating to parapsychology uh, has occurred within the last month and concluded with an alarming question about psychic, psychics, excuse me, nuking cities so that they become lost in time and space. Uh, the first event raised by the NSA is a it's a CIA report which mentioned KGB research into parapsychology. Um, they believe that the KGB used hobbyist and non-governmental researchers to talk to Western scientists, and this allowed the KGB to collect useful information without putting themselves in a compromised position to accidentally leak confidential information to Westerners. Hmm. Um. And according to the NSA note, this tactic yielded uh, high-grade Western scientific data. So this is classic Cold War subterfuge. Uh, we're just pumping out mounds and mounds of information, misinformation, and disinformation uh, by the shovelful. We're just feeding a, a Russia a bunch of bullshit, and Russia's feeding us a bunch of bullshit. Um, and it's all through middlemen and subcontractors. Yeah, through bureaucracies, uh, like a tightly wound onion. (laughs) Mm, Or an ivory (laughs) tusk. Yes. Layer by layer. Um, So this 
the CIA distributed a summary report on Soviet parapsychology. This is straight from the document. This report stated that it appears all serious work is done under KGB control and in secret facilities. One facility in Moscow was an eight-story building run by MRSA. In 1969, this building was shut down and MRSA was established in a smaller laboratory in the country. Non-KGB scientists who are hobbyists are allowed to talk to Western scientists principally to glean information from them in such a way that the KGB gives nothing of value and gets some high-grade Western data. All right. Mm. So uh, there's a second event that gets brought up by the NSA, uh, and they... To, they also thought this as well was a act of Russia propaganda, you know, trying to get one up on the American scientists. Um, and uh, in '77, an American journalist was detained in Russia for receiving a Soviet paper on parapsychology. In this paper, allegedly documented psi, uh, as in psych- uh, psychic particles within the living cell allegedly providing a physical basis for parapsychology so <laughs> the scientists found a russian study that said yeah we got these midichlorians in this bro mm-hmm. and the american scientist was like sounds legit sounds legit bro this couldn't be a psyop <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's funny. I do have a, a clip here that gets a little into the motivation, and um, I want to get through a couple of these at least because it will pertain to the second part of this. But uh, this is from a show called Conspiracism, and uh, this is about the motivation. If nothing else, I mean, while the parapsychology stuff might be bunk, it does give an interesting insight into the whole sort of information, disinformation, sort of mind games type stuff that was going on in the Cold War and probably really still going on now, isn't it? And actually, it's probably useful to to talk here about whether the Russians or the Americans believed Mm. in the research they were doing. Because there are kind of two hypotheses here. One is that... It might work, at which point, if you know the other side is doing it, so if you're an American, you're worried about the Russians. If you're a Russian, you're wor- worried about the Americans. You're both going, well, there's a thing called parapsychology, and we're not convinced it will have any weight. But if it turns out to be true, we need to have the upper hand. So you do research into it anyway, despite the fact you think there are going to be no results, because if it turns out it does have results... Better you had the game than the other side. The other way people look at it is it's a really good way to get the other side to waste large large Mm. chunks of money. So if the Americans look like they're taking parapsychology seriously, the Russians will take parapsychology seriously. They will then waste a large chunk of their operational budget researching something that the other side thinks is wacky and woo. And because of that, the other side isn't investing in, say, cruise missiles or satellite launches. And there's some evidence that maybe this was the American perspective, because when you look at the allocated budgets for these programs in the U.S. military, they really were only spending a very, very tiny amount of money, but they were engaging a lot of PR about the research. Mm. Almost as if they were going... We're not going to spend much, but we're going to make a big noise about it. Yes. And uh, are there similar um, 
details known about the Russian research? Do we know if they were spending a lot of money or could it be possible that it was just sort of a, a bluff, double bluff, triple bluff sort of thing going on where they were both trying to trick the other into spending large amounts of money while in fact neither of them really were? The problem with the Russian side of the story is a lot of the so documentation secretive. is yeah. still yeah. under wrap, so we don't really know. Mm. But there's a lot of a lot of, a lot of the, the the sort of ten dimensional chess that people tend to roll their eyes at a little bit. But I mean, some of that does go on sometimes, doesn't it? It and does. Yes. Yeah. 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 So we don't really know. <laughs> don't really know. We, we don't really know. Yeah. Don't really know. Well, you know, we don't know because you know it's possible the Russians are lying to us because they got all their documentation under wraps. Well, it would make sense that, I mean, we wouldn't, it would be fair to say no matter what, even if we did have the uh, documentation, so quote unquote documentation, we couldn't be sure because the whole point is about tripping you up with the wrong information. Mm. Decoys. I mean, this is classic decoy war where you've seen it again and again in different forms uh, from antiquity all the way through in any war, in, in civil war. In the Civil War, the American Civil War, uh, U.S. Grant would station troops at certain locations to make it seem like that location was important uh, to draw enemy forces away from an actual objective target that he had. I mean, it's classic. Napoleon would do that. Napoleon was famous. Uh, Genghis Khan, his armies would feign retreats, uh, which is a form of decoy. It's just, it's classic war. You want your enemy to focus on the wrong thing, and that opens him up for attack. Now, one of the examples that uh, these two are discussing is like uh, perhaps it was, or no, I shouldn't even say perhaps they were they were fairly set on the uh, the Stargate programs, right? Where the CIA was trying to do remote viewing and whatnot. Uh, it, it was it's been thoroughly debunked, uh, needless to say, but um, they kind of mm-hmm. lumped that project into this current discussion about it being like a just a just sort of like a diversionary tactic uh, to say the least try and get like oh you interested in this oh you like what we got going on yeah a battle of information oh yeah we really are into this you're definitely going to want to look into this this is important yeah uh i'm going to skip this next clip because it gets into just a little bit of um it's like their version of quantum theory where they're discussing a scientist uh, talking about parapsychology um, being this the way people perceive reality affects the energy fields and it creates changes in the waves and the way that these particles uh, behave. And that was sort of their basis for parapsychology and the, the powers that are associated with psychic phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. It was just uh, some people just have a different way that they that they interact with their environment that allows them to tune in to a, a, a certain frequency mm-hmm. um, and manipulate the natural world with their minds. Seemingly, yes. Let's see if I need to go back to anything on the article here real fast before. Which really is the definition of magic. Mm, yes. Well, yes. Uh, too, too practical magic, I suppose I should say. Yes, with a yeah, with enough intent for sure. The ability to manipulate the natural environment with intention, right? That's you know, that's about it. 
Now, uh, so yes, we got the, it's all entrapment back and forth between the Americans and the Russians. Um, there is a section in here that they talk about. Supposedly there had been a successful demonstration of telekinetic power in a Soviet military sponsored research lab. Uh, this new type of energy was perhaps even more important than that of atomic energy. And I actually have a book now that I think about it, about, uh, Soviet ESP, um, studies that they did. I'll dig it out. Could that all be bullshit? <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, this next, okay. So out of nowhere, these two motherfuckers, uh, one of them, I'm, it's hard to tell because they're both from New Zealand. Um, and they both kind of sound similar, but one of these guys' names that's talking is, uh, it's Dr. M R X Denneth. Okay. Dr. X Denneth. Dr. Mr. X Denneth. Okay. Uh, they, them pronounce, um, in this next clip, Charles, they, they just take a left turn and start talking about a Jesuit. I was gonna. I was gonna say basically how how was it that we've got two hundred odd episodes into this podcast? I don't think we've mentioned Teja Deshadan because we haven't really talked about new age conspiracy theories mm. in any large extent. So Pieter Deshadan was a Jesuit priest who was the first Catholic and arguably probably the first Christian to try to synthesize evolution by natural selection with the, with some kind of theory of guided evolution. And Talhard has the notion that the evolutionary series goes from simplicity to complexity. Complexity. So he goes, look, the beginning of the universe was hydrogen, and that was pretty simple. From hydrogen, we get stars. They're more complex. From stars, we get planetary matter. That's even more complex. Planetary matter gives way to biosystems. That's even more complex. Biosystems give way to multicellular organisms. That's even more complex. Multicellular organisms become bodies like our own. That's even more complex. He goes, look, there's a direction to this evolutionary series, which is the development of thinking animals, one day we will think universally in a kind of new sphere, a kind of mental sphere around the earth, will then learn to think as one, which will be the most complex thing, that will then incarnate the Godhead, the Godhead will have the property of being able to transcend time. So when God gets instantiated, God will always have existed. And then God will kick off the process again from the beginning. So we create God to become God and God has always been. Which, as you can imagine for many Catholics at the time, was a fairly controversial thesis Ooh. which led to a lot of trouble. Although Taha has been largely... Yeah, I think it's fair to say, has been largely rehabilitated within the Catholic Church with respect to talk of this kind of guided evolution notion. It sounds like that Jesuit priest has been transhumanism pilled. A little bit. Uh, but yeah, Telhard de, de Chardin, um, one of his quotes was, the universe is more of a great thought than a great machine, and that the unifi unified field on the ground of reality is awareness. It's interesting. Mm. Uh, awareness focusing could produce a new form of energy that moves or perhaps alters matter. It was one of his postulations. I kind of, I mean, there's an idea in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, in the fourth gospel, they they speak of God as the Word. Mm. They refer to God as the Word, which to me resonates with his idea of great thought and the idea that God or goodness or 
the idea of what the ideal should be or beautiful or what is correct or what is righteous or convenient or well convenient i guess practical maybe could be another way of putting it but i just mean the idea of if you know that like eating babies is wrong and you know that kicking dogs is wrong and you know that one painting is more beautiful than another painting and it's this i this universality of of what what we recognize as the, the proper form and how we all can kind of get on the same page about certain things this ubiquitousness of of awareness this is the great thought this is the word this is the the form and the, and, the, and the rule the golden rule and that fits in with evolution to a certain degree with the Fibonacci sequence with phi, with with uh, how certain structures, celled organisms, they'll structure themselves, and and everything will structure itself on a certain pattern that we've talked about. But to a more metaphysical sense of thinking about it, the actual way that all of us can perceive this pattern uh, is uh, is important. It's 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 one of the key functions of intelligence or, or whatever you want to call it. Greater awareness. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that c- kind of connects us all the force. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this report also uh, brings up Yuri Geller. Um, British compl- uh, scientists complained about poltergeist phenomenon when they were studying him. Hmm. Like uh, they, they, Object, oh, I'm reading this right now. Objects allegedly left the room. That's pretty spooky. And then reappeared later. That's kind of nuts. Uh, but yeah, supposedly it didn't surprise the the quote-unquote scientists, the experts, uh, <laughs> who found it no harder to believe that objects could disappear and reappear than it was to believe in the detected particles emerging from energy and dissolving or disappearing back into energy. Mm. Um so then we, this is the point in, <laughs> during the presentation from the NSA memo. Um, it's always got to turn to weaponry. How can we use this to fuck some people up? And uh, <laughs> one of the two methods is a uh, psychic nuke, which we've already discussed. Um, mm. The other one is, uh, let's see, they would, oh, I lost my place in the, with the above scientific speculation and laboratory experiments in mind, a weapon or weapons could be theorized. Several, severe trauma, MK Ultra, anybody, after results in ESP effects being activated. Some suggestion or meditative techniques seen to enhance ESP and telekinetic effects. See Dr. Nipper's telekinetic subject and her development of the capability. Grief is particularly associated with such phenomenon. A Grief. Key- Yes. And uh, a key member of a command and control center or war room could be subjected to such trauma in a contained situation and, and then suggestively programmed uh, to develop telekinetic effects under stress at work. In an emergency action situation, objects would move, disappear, and communication would be impossible. Wow. <laughs> hmm. So basically they were... It sounds like they're trying to turn MK Ultra victims <laughs> into psychic weapons, like little mini Charles Xavier's running around. 
Yeah. Except they, they messed with them. They tortured them. They made them suffer and grieve. Jesus. Isn't this kind of like uh, the Stranger Things plot, too? <laughs> that and so many more. And uh, so many more. But, yeah, I mean, it's a very universal theme of we're going to torture these people until they until they get it, until they uh, react. Well, speaking of movies, have you or are you familiar with Akira? Uh, I've never watched Akira in its entirety. I'm familiar with its influence and with the motorcycle power slide. <laughs> Hell yeah! I was a. Uh, I didn't get to finish it today, unfortunately, because of uh, some stuff at work. But um, it's a classic movie. That's uh, beautiful. Every frame is hand drawn. Um, I need to watch it in like high def. I need to. I need to watch a nice copy of it. And the music's great too. Akira. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hear it's just it's the shit. I, I've been I've watched a couple of classic like the Ghost in the Shell. I watched the original Ghost in the Shell movie. I thought that was very pretty to look at. I like I like pretty things. It's fine. Well, you know, unfortunately, the stuff that we're getting ready to discuss with this next clip, there's it contains some spoilers about stuff. Um, oh, that's okay. At least for me, if if you listener don't want to have Akira spoiled, <laughs> hide now. <laughs> Yes, you have been warned. After uh, summarizing these recent um, developments in the field of parapsychology, the memo goes on to say, how could we turn this into weapons? Psychic weapons, mm. a la Akira. Akira, yeah. So, so first of all, they, they, start, they start their thinking small. Um, they say that um, you know, one thing you could do, or first of all, it's um, suggested the idea that uh, you can, you can um, enhance or, or even sort of Create uh, tele- or psychic or telekinetic abilities in a person. Um, so one idea they have is of abducting key members of of the um, opposing government and then using these techniques upon them to give them psychic abilities of some kind, telekinetic abilities or what have you, which they wouldn't know they have, but which had been programmed with some sort of you know to come out in stressful situations. The idea being that you then plonk them back in their natural habitat, as it were, and then should everything go pear-shaped and they find themselves in this weird stressful situation, their telekinetic abilities will suddenly manifest, causing all sorts of chaos in whichever command centre they happen to be in and disrupting communication and what have you. Oh, in so it's not emergency. Akira, it's Scanners. Oh, it's not, a, it's not Akira yet, but yes. Yeah, so we start with a bit of Scanners. So that's that's their first one, but that, that, then they decided that's that's small potatoes. That's the, we we can think bigger. Um, so uh, even referring back to De Shadan and how he predicts a, a major change of consciousness, um, gets the idea that um, that that, that, we, that these these changes that he foresees will uh, quote here alter the direction, time, space, and energy matter relationship of our world. And so that, that, then they bring up the idea that well you could. Um, sort of bringing in the idea of a sort of shared mental field. What if you got a bunch of these people with telekinetic abilities and got them all together in one spot and possibly set off some sort of psychic chain reaction which could cause massive um, psychic psychic waves emanating and altering matter and reality in a sphere all around them, possibly even on a city-wide scale. Now that's your Akira right there. So yeah, they're talking about grabbing a group of people with psychic abilities and combining them all together to create a psychic detonation. And that was also a bad edit. I the I cut it right there in the half so we can just get the second half, but I obviously forgot the save. 
Oh, that's okay. Uh, uh, I like the the thing that appeals over like a good old fashioned nuclear explosion is with a psychic explosion you just hurt people instead of hurting everything else. Yeah, and maybe even specific people. <laughs> You mean targeted individuals? <laughs> uh, perhaps. <laughs> that people have been known to target individuals from time to time. I I have to know what uh, what do you think of of this gentleman and his co-host? Uh, the actual show is called Podcaster's Guide to Conspiracy Theories. If you're mm. interested, uh, they have uh, funny accents and. I don't know. I, I like so far the material that they're covering. I mean, at least they're covering some stuff. Well, what if I told you that Dr. MRX Zenith was a scholar? Uh, he, I think he actually teaches at the University of Beijing currently. If oh, I, I, I thought that he might be a Cambridge man. Oh, oh. well, that's uh, naturally. Um, <laughs> they have. A YouTube channel called Conspiracism. And there's an intro video. Why, hello there. Ooh, Jesus, let's back that up. I already hate it. Why, hello there. My name is M, also known as Dr. M. R. X. Dentith, one of the leading lights in philosophy when it comes to the discussion of conspiracy theory. And I'd like to invite you to okay. join me in my new web series, Conspiracism, where we do deep dives not just into conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists, but also conspiracy theory theory and conspiracy theory theorists. Because one thing which is missing from the discussion of conspiracy theories online is the work that academics like myself do on this topic of conspiracy theory. And Conspiracism promises to be a series which delves into what academics think and believe about conspiracy theory, where they go right, and also... Where they go wrong. Mm. Mm, okay. Mm. First of all, <laughs> first of all, yes. and the servo points out in the chat, I think, ironically, this guy has a garbage microphone. Yes. Uh, yes. This guy does not have good audio quality at all. So, first of all, you suck. I mean, that's just... That's just podcasting 101. If you if you're going to talk about how you're the king of whatever or conspiracy master, get a, get a good microphone, okay? Uh second of all, okay, fuck face. <laughs> okay, you fucking anyway. Second of all, why in the fuck nobody nobody is thinking of this I don't think of this stuff as conspiracy theories. That's not the overall overarching theme of this stuff. I wish that they weren't conspiracy theories. A lot of the stuff that we talk about is researched, uh, provable, showable, shareable information that is out there, that is right in front of your eyes, that you have yourself uh, and only yourself to deduce the meaning thereof. We are going to give you this information. It's not a conspiracy to me. Yeah. Actually, it, I have I have an ISO that sums it up perfectly. But instead of using the word conspiracy, I like to use the word scheme. There's a lot of right. schemes out there. These are schemes. These aren't conspiracies. This isn't fucking woo-woo. 
oh, are there aliens bullshit? No, this is real. This isn't. So the fact that he refers to this stuff as conspiracy theories and the theories of theories and the theorists of theories of theorists and the study of the- of conspiracy, it's like, dude, you're not <laughs> you're you're focusing on the the cream. You're focusing on the the only the top surface, the fun light shit, and you're and you're oh, not giving credence to the, the full the, picture. Well, that was the perfect segue because Doctor. MRX Zenith is going to tell you the lighthearted, fun, goofy conspiracy theories that was floating around back in 2012 when he was working on his degree in Auckland. The fact you've chanced upon this video probably means that your feed is filled to the brim with conspiratorial content, or is going to be thanks to algorithms. From arguments that the Earth is flat, to the claimed Sargon of a card and Stephen Molyneux are actually clever, conspiracy theories are everywhere. Maybe you were watching a 9-11 inside job video before you got here, or perhaps it was something on Big Pharma covering up the shocking truth that water has memory. Whatever the case, welcome. My name is M, and if you'll let me, we're going to talk about conspiracy theories from an academic perspective. I received my PhD from the University of Auckland. That was back in the seemingly more sensible year of 2012, when chuckling over racist theories about a president's birth certificate was considered to be the height of conspiratorial politicking, or at least at the time oh, was so it, it seemed. Oh, dude, it was the hype. It was the biggest thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Democratic you know Party I... was all about it back then. <laughs> dude, you just reminded me something. I've known about Jeffrey Epstein since 2008. Hmm. Wasn't that Obama's first year? Yeah. Yeah. Thereabouts. So this guy's talking about how the biggest thing in, in the conspiracy world was all this birth. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Obama was 2000. And, oh, no, you're right. It was 2008. 2008. Yeah. So yeah. it was when he was. Uh, wait, he ran as incumbent against Clinton, right? And, he ran against uh, oh Bush. God. Uh, well, it was a sec- so Bush did two terms, and then Obama's first opponent, I believe, was, was like, McCain or Romney. No, not it was Romney. either McCain or Romney, or maybe even. Oh man, I don't remember. One of that. the early guys that he faced in the primaries was like Kerry, and all these guys. But he, uh, there's a very specific like process that Obama went through that's very well storied on how he made his way through Chicago politics in yeah. the limelight for this. Not to mention that he was definitely groomed for it. Uh, in the first place. But all that aside, Obama was voted in in 2008, and that was the year that Jeffrey Epstein was indicted and uh, and first really made headlines. And I remember that very well. And we all knew about him then, anybody who was really interested in quote-unquote conspiracy theories. And I wasn't nearly into it as I am now. I was I was pretty casual about the whole thing. I have to, I remember. I just remember seeing the headline and being like, "Whoa, this guy's tied into an international sex trafficking operation. That's crazy. People should be talking about that." <laughs> and that was in two thousand eight. Here's 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 a quote from Lavish in two thousand eight. I know to go to four chan right away when something like this happens. <laughs> I don't even know if I was really big into 4chan then. I know. That was back in the day when I was like afraid of 4chan still because 4chan no. was fucking terrifying. Oh my goodness. 
it would be the images. You'd go onto the B or something, and you just they just would post the most disgusting Gnarly, shit. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Well, I, people at school would be like, "Oh, check this out." I'd be like, "What? Check this out? Oh God, look at these." Fucking chicks shitting on it. It's just like, whoa, I don't want to look at this. But, uh, yeah, no. McCain in 2008, Romney in 2012. Thank you, Servo. Okay, so then the birther conspiracy arose from 2008 when Obama ran against... McCain. Uh, no, Clinton for the nomination. Clinton had already served two terms. Uh, uh, Hillary. Oh, oh, you're Rodham. talking about primaries. Primaries. Yeah, yeah Rodham. <laughs> Hillary. Rodham. Hillary's and what? and what's his face were definitely in it against one another. Yeah, uh, that, that's what that's my ultimate point is. I I was under the impression it was the Hillary campaign that came up with the concept of the birth certificate for the Obama campaign. It's there's a big argument to be made, honestly, about. Obama not being born in the country. And I don't mean that from any point other than from just what I've seen about this man's life and just the way that his people who knew him growing up describe him. Yeah. I mean, there is a question to be asked about it. And, you know, it's pretty casual. You don't have to be extreme about it, in my opinion. But, yeah, they came up with it. And it's kind of funny to think that Clinton probably would be president if it weren't for Obama. Yeah. <laughs> First Obama screws her over and she's like, Well that came out of nowhere. And then Trump screws her over and she's like, Well that really came out of nowhere. <laughs> this is the idea. Of course they could all be in on it. I'll say one way or the other. So we don't really know. Don't really know. Take a little uh, clip list here and see what we got lined up. <laughs> I mean my my final thought on that is even though she lost the uh, the elect or whatever the primaries against Obama, she was made Secretary of State in his administration, which is like you know one of the top top offices in the land, and gave her all of the fucking credibility that she needed. I mean, after that, everyone was like, "Oh my god, she's totally qualified to be president." She was Secretary of State. I was like, yeah, she was Secretary of State. It was Obama. It's just like, who, she, what did she accomplish? She doesn't do anything. They're all assholes. They're all mm. losers, and you're losers for liking these people. Anybody who likes a politician, seriously, go fucking take a bath, <laughs> would you? <laughs> clean yourself. <laughs> you fucking clean yourself and think think about yourself for a little bit. You don't even have to think about it, dude. Sit in the bathtub for a half hour with no music on and really have a conversation with yourself, okay? <laughs> okay, bud. Okay there, pal. You All right, get that? please continue. Uh, so this next clip is where we really start to get thick into the weeds of word salad. Let's see if he can keep up. I will say, uh, I believe this is the clip that highlights one of my, uh, it's not necessarily a pet peeve, but it's just one of those, oh, come on. It's like, oh, well, you know, there's like, Totally real world conspiracies that do happen when people get together to conspire to do something that is like <laughs> technically conspiracies exist. Oh. Yeah, like Cult of Tonkin, and there's like all these Soviet dudes that were like, uh, Toski's gonna come back, Stalin's freaking out, we gotta manufacture evidence to make it look like that Toski's coming back so we can persecute him. <laughs> Should we go kill him in Mexico? 
Uh, anyways, uh, this, what did I label this one? This one's theories about theories. Now I know from my various inboxes and social media accounts that certain people, often pejoratively called conspiracy theorists, think there is a conspiracy amongst academics like myself to make conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists seem mad, bad, and dangerous. And that's an understandable reaction to the kind of work we do. We do keep telling people conspiracy theories are a problem, and that we need to be on our guard against them. We portray conspiracy theorists as tinfoil hat wearing weirdos with no social life and bad hygiene. So for people who believe conspiracy theories, you can understand why they think there is a concerted effort by academics like myself to cast shade on their theories mm, and Jesus, their theories. Jesus, apart there, buddy. <laughs> which is a bit of a problem when you start to think about it. I mean, I'm not one to, like... I don't... There's times where I actively try not to talk shit about people. There's times, there's times where <laughs> it just flows. Uh, this dude, <laughs> I didn't get enough the other clip where he, he called conspiracy theorists weirdos. He did it two or three times in this video. And I was like, well, I mean, if I am going to be a dick about it, uh, you're one to be calling people weirdos. Uh, cause in some of the other stuff that I, that I was watching in his podcast and stuff, it's, they kind of strike me as one of those people that their life revolves around pop culture but pop culture from the lowest fucking branches of the cheapest bullshit trees where mm. their collected existence is just guided by like, uh, you know, Harry Potter tattoos and Dr. Who. And that's, that's it. Just the, the exact things that are like the lowest of the low, just like, oh God, they're cheap. It's cheap. I'm sorry. I mean, it, uh, actually, no, I'm not sorry. I take that back. I'm not sorry. <laughs> it is cheap. It's it's super fucking normie, and it's just like, I don't yeah. know. To to think of the whole thing of your whole life through fucking Harry Potter and, yeah. and Lord of the Rings is, and, you know, I've been a fan of, of all of that shit, but, ooh, people take it way too fucking far. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And all the Marvel shit. Oh, God. But I really don't like this, this academic... Uh, like exclusion that he's giving himself. This guy is uh, definitely a del Torre. Dude, you, know? you should, I'm going to fucking drop your, uh, I'm going to drop a frequently asked questions page in the chat. Uh, take a perusal at this for me. And, uh, I'm going to let the re rest of this rest of this clip play out because he ends up talking about nine 11. Mm. Take nine 11. No matter what you think about what happened in New York and Washington, D.C. on September the 11th, 2001, you believe some account of the event which says it was the result of a conspiracy. Maybe you think it was an inside job committed by Bush and his friends, or it was a deep state plot designed to justify a war in the Middle East. That's a conspiracy theory. Or maybe you think it was a secret plan hatched and committed by agents of a terrorist organization known as Al-Qaeda. That's also a theory about a conspiracy. It involves multiple people working in secret towards some end. If that isn't conspiratorial, then really, what is? But he's so wrong because 
It's not a fucking theory. It's a goddamn hypothesis. I know. That's the worst thing about it. It's a fucking hypothesis or a thesis or something. It's not a theory. And uh, I just, we have to so circle this back. this academic for- is just fundamentally wrong about a very basic aspect of academia, which is the hypothesis versus theory uh, clarification. And I, it's only, I just, I want to circle back really quick to Christopher Battle's call at the beginning of the show when he was talking about the way people talk down and demean children simply for being a child. And that's the same sort of fucking tone that I'm picking up from this motherfucker. Yeah, this guy thinks he's a fucking doctor and he just, because he's, he's a doctor, he gets to like treat everybody else like their child and, and. And approach this whole thing so incorrectly. You showed me this page. Every other word is the word conspiracy. Okay. I need... I'm going to give you three guesses. This guy. (laughs) Three guesses. I want you to tell me, without looking it up, how many times does the word conspiracy show up in his frequently asked questions page on his website? Oh, give me just a round number. Hundreds of times. Oh. Hundreds of times. Hundreds, that's pretty damn close. 178. <laughs> 178. 178 times. Yes. I mean, reading this this guy, and this is part of the, the spell here of language, when you call this a conspiracy theory, you're giving it a very specific label. It's It's an immediate spin. It's an immediate, you get an immediate reaction to those words, conspiracy theory. You, you think of the aliens guy from Ancient Aliens. You think of like the wackiest, tackiest tinfoil wearing. You think of the dude from fucking Nashville with the RV and the bomb. You think of the the kooky uh, fucking yes. You think of all of that. This is what you hear, and then when you hear these words, that's what you think of. And as opposed to something that is just plain, doesn't make sense. And and you question it, and the the main narrative goes well. That your your common sense doesn't matter. Like for the Epstein thing, we'll bring up Epstein again. A guy who hung himself in his suicide proof cell from his toilet with toilet paper, and all of the guards were asleep, and all the cameras were knocked out, and it just so happened, you know, all this shit happens, and and they legitimately have no way. No fucking right to claim that he died the way that he did, quote unquote, he died or whatever. But because we question this very obvious thing, we we are you know labeled no, as such. No, it's not that we even questioned it. It's the fact that we have uh, rigorously studied and trialed theories that have been proven and peer reviewed and so on and so forth. You know, hundreds yes. of uh, hundreds and, and hundreds of yes. manpower and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars have been poured in for us to fully research our theories. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can't, can't. Uh, anyways, uh, Servo pointed out something uh, fairly interesting. Wow. It's 242 appearances of the uh of the word conspire, so C O N S P I. So I'm sure conspire shows up in there. Uh, and then it's 231 pings for conspira. Okay. So there's even more. 
<laughs> references. <laughs> hundreds, over two hundred. Yes, it's way too much, and it's and it's definitely doesn't help his case that he made that he's not trying to be a spook. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I'm not gonna, the, I'm not going to say it, but University of Beijing, you got that's kind of like I don't know. Oh yeah, two knots there, dude. <laughs> Hello, and then New Zealand, fucking New Zealand is just like. Oh, fucking. bro. So okay. So the, I guess what got him into this mode of thinking was he was going to or he had an anthropology class and he was uh, intrigued by this local local urban legend that like these underground tunnels existed in the area, but it was thoroughly debunked. And he was fascinated by people's uh, strong desire to. Uh, their desire of wanting these tunnels to exist. Very interesting when, um, if you remember my feelings about tunnels in the American or the United States and how it's used for a lot of trafficking. And of course you got the deep underground military bases. I'm just saying New Zealand mm. is supposed to be like the hideaway, the getaway spot. Right. And I just thought I mean, that was, it makes sense. Right. It's interesting correlation between the two. Uh, a, a isolated island way out in the fuck in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of rivers and hills and mountains to drill into. Yeah. Sounds pretty legit to me. Um, I'm going to, I'm actually going to skip this next clip. Fuck it. Cause he just gets into more of like, Oh, well, you know, there are really conspiracies. Gulf of Tonkin is one. Uh, this is the part. The, of the other thing I don't like about this guy is he, he thinks you're injured because they're conspiracy theories. Why are people interested in conspiracy? It's not that we're interested in conspiracy theories. We're interested in the truth. And the truth happens to be inconveniently, you know, it's inconvenient to your fucking worldview. And so you call it a conspiracy theory because you can't handle the fucking truth. Oh, dude, they do. I hate that. They do these, like, I, I've got them saved in my fucking playlist for the week. I didn't clip them because I just, I don't have time to sit there and watch a five, six person panel. It's like, you know, the, the world's first conspiracy theory theorist panel where they sit together yeah, and yeah, fucking yeah. talk for an hour about make uh, theories about theories about theorists. Uh, well, sounds, sounds riveting, bro. You, uh, <laughs> you just hit it right there on the fucking head of the nail. Conspiracy theory is the name of a particular phenomenon conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorizing. Those of us who study conspiracy theory are, as I coined the term back in my PhD, conspiracy theory theorists. Theorists about conspiracy theories who engage in conspiracy theory theory. Now, theory theory is an actual thing which philosophers are really quite into. Theorizing about theories is an almost quintessentially philosophical topic, after all. Theory theory roughly concerns how theories work, what theoretical changes, and how theories fit together. The thing is, once you start thinking about how theories work, you start to realize some interesting things about theories generally. For example, it allows you to explain why experts in a field sometimes disagree despite given the same evidence. That's because sometimes people disagree because of, of a difference of opinion as to what counts as the proper evidence. And uh, I, I know this is going to be 
quite a, a shocking uh, statement here, but the example that he immediately brings up is climate change. <laughs> oh, of course. Uh, there it is. Ding, we'll, ding, ding. We'll skip that. I mean... <sighs> this guy is Del Torre. This guy is Mr. Absent-Minded Professor to the nth degree. Uh, well, you know, the theories of theories and the theory of theories. If you look at the sun, the theory of the theories. And that's why I would do it. It's well, fucking, it's a joke. They they just joined Mastodon. I was very close to giving them a follow, but uh, their instance is blocked by No Agenda Social, and I'm not sure I want to follow them with the uh, with the no show. No Agenda Social has blocked them. No, uh, they've been blocked by No. I'm sorry, they they've blocked, blocked No, no Agenda, Agenda Social. Correct, right? Which is what everybody's done. It's a scholar dot social, I think, something to that effect. So if they've blocked no agenda social, then you know that they're fucking losers. Yeah. Uh, for a fact. <laughs> I can't think of anything lamer than the people on no agenda so- on, on Mastodon who've blocked no agenda social. That is just like the ultimate r- thing against what Mastodon's for. It's for open discussion. It's for freedom. It's for no, Russian no. disinformation paid and bought for by the Russian banks. <laughs> you really gotta you really gotta find stuff. You gotta really You gotta look for it, you know. That, that that's part of it. It's this shit is just like Freemasonry in the sense that nobody asks you to come. You have to knock on the door. Right. Oh man. Anyway, <clears throat> this fucking loser. Please continue. I you know, I got if you really, really want any more of him, I do have one more, but it's just, it's, it's it gets more into the, you know, the way people disagree with um, adding their worldview into this, you know, like looking for evidence, your worldview is going to shape what you do and do not consider evidence. Yeah, you're biased, though, um, which is true. We're all biased. Right. It's true. Um, but honestly, like, that just, uh, that leaves such... A strange and it's not I don't I just I don't care for this line of thought. It's 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 just convoluted, it's self serving, maybe. Um it's, I don't know. it's just it's gross. It, yeah, it's uh I think it's just it's just in your core you just know it's kind of incorrect. It's just a little off. Yeah. And it parades itself as like academic superiority, which makes it so much worse. Academical superiority. Yeah. But, you know, while being just a mismatched, erroneous worldview, or at least just maybe, maybe just ignores very important things that it shouldn't ignore. And I feel like even though he's like, he, he might try and make the, I'm sorry, they might try and make the argument that. No, I'm not trying to provide the solution to anything. I it does have that like just oozing feeling of, well, because of my degree, my sheepskin, I do have the end all be all of all information and understanding, and I don't know. Yeah, it, the neutrality just, of it. He's trying too hard to like be detached yeah. from. I mean, the thing is, is we we really feel a certain way about this stuff. This guy. He spends his whole life talking about conspiracy theories, but he doesn't actually, he doesn't have any faith in any of it. He doesn't actually look into anything. He's, he's more interested in debunking. He's a debunker. Yeah. And it's easy to debunk shit when you ignore all the information. (laughs) Uh, 
I do have um I have a quick three clip side by side uh that is relevant to the Akira portion of our conversation. Um talking about uh, these psychic nukes talking about just the the conspiracies that drive the world in general and mm. while i may not agree with dr mrx Dennis, um someone that i do think has a firm grasp and is not uh just not like a shady piece of shit like this motherfucker was that we were just listening to um mm-hmm. this guy is alan moore a uh, famed comic book writer and a uh, watchman guy. Yes, hardcore occultist. And if you remember, actual wizard. At the end of Watchmen, the comic, uh, the way Ozymandias saves humanity is with a psychic nuke of sorts. He tele- yes. teleports that giant squid into uh, Manhattan, Times Square. And it sets off a psychic blast with a like a hundred mile radius or something. Yeah, that's um, right. I did have oh, God damn! How did I miss two fucking clips up? Uh, I had Ozzy Mandis talking about it. I, I'll we'll skip that. I'll just get straight into the Alan Moore. And uh, in this clip, he's discussing the sort of research that he put into uh, or the the research that he did while preparing for Watchmen. In the mid-1980s, I was asked by an American legal institution known as the Christic Institute to compile a comic book which would detail the murky history of the CIA from the end of the Second World War to the present day, covering things such as the heroin smuggling during the Vietnam War, the cocaine smuggling during the war in Central America, the Kennedy assassination and other highlights. What I learned during the frankly horrifying research that I had to slog through to accomplish this was that, yes, there is a conspiracy. In fact, there are a great number of conspiracies that are all tripping each other up. And all of those conspiracies are run by paranoid fantasists and ham-fisted clowns. If you are on a list targeted by the CIA, you really have nothing to worry about. If, however, you have a name similar to somebody on a list targeted by the CIA, then you are dead. The main thing that I learned about conspiracy theory is that conspiracy theorists actually believe in a conspiracy because that is more comforting. The truth of the world is that it is chaotic. The truth is that it is not the Jewish banking conspiracy or the grey aliens or the 12 foot reptiloids from another dimension that are in control the truth is far more frightening nobody is in control the world is rudderless and it's such a it's such a so much more genuine of a of an outlook um, yes where I would diverge from more is that it's it's like a collective of different gangs, mafia style factions, factions, just you know, vying for power, teaming up, fucking each other over, blackmailing each other. Um, yes, it's been it's just that's been the name of the game. It's been human nature for that long, and especially at just the day to day level. Yeah, uh, but this video, this clip came from um, 
It was actually a breakdown by one comic book girl 19. Are you familiar with her on YouTube? No. Ah, so much fun. Uh, Monty, uh, who, who we started the show off with, he actually turned me on to her. And if you ever want to get into like X-Men lore, but you want someone really cool breaking it down to you, I would highly recommend her series on Watchmen. Uh, she also did a pretty good one on Game X-Men of Thrones. X-Men or Watchmen? Both. Both. Uh, so, so know about X-Men, watch her thing on Watchmen? Okay, so she's done historical dives into X-Men, explaining the full story from the 60s up until, I guess, the 2000s, right? Or okay. hitting the big arcs. This video that we're playing the Alan Moore clip from is specifically from a... Uh, a, a read together series that she did on Watchmen. Okay. So she would go on Twitch. That was 12 episodes long. She would go through book, the, the, the Watchmen graphic novel kind of, you know, section by section. And she would take the time to discuss certain, uh, certain panels, the backgrounds, um, kind of where more in the, uh, the artists were coming from. So on and so forth. Uh, mm-hmm. but, Again, like Alan Moore, I feel like she's got just so much more of a genuine appreciation and understanding. It's something that just, I don't care how many degrees that you got, you can't, uh, you just, you you can't outdo people that think in these regards. Oh, wow. The world is rudderless. I remember reading, I read that quote before I actually ever got to hear him say it on his Wikipedia page. And, um, I was just like, oh shit, like, yes, this is some truth. And hearing him say it is really great. I love it. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of feel like I agree with Alan Moore. I feel like we really, we don't know anything. This is a universe of chaos. You know, like everyone is vying for power all the time. You have all these different people with all these different conspiracies tripping each other up all the time, you know, trying to like just fight each other for power and money and all these things. And it's just like, and really like there is nobody in control. There's people constantly fighting and dicking each other up for control, but like nobody's like on top here, you know, like it's just like, it's a free for all. Like it's crazy out there. Um, Somebody might be on top for a while. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, I mean, and I'm not saying there's not conspiracy. I, I love conspiracy theory bullshit. Like, I get into some conspiracy theory holes. I've got lots of conspiracy theory stuff that I'm into. But that doesn't, but it's like, but it also, I do see what he's saying about how it's easier to believe in, like, oh, the, the Illuminati. You know, they're in control. And then, then it gives you, then it gives you somebody to hate. It gives you a villain, you know? And then you're like, okay, well, if I can just, it gives you an easy solution to your problems in a way where it's like, oh, well, if we could just stop them, then like everything would be great, you know? And really it's more like, no, actually you just need to be a better person in your own life. And that's the only way you make life better and life great is, is everybody just try to be better themselves and quit trying to fuck other people up and like do other weird schemes, you know? It's like. And that's why, uh, <laughs> you'll never see me, uh, really get into the QAnon stuff because it's, it's just too easy. Oh, the QAnon stuff. Just like hating Trump. It's too easy. Sorry. I'm just I'm not into it. <laughs> Go fuck there's yourself. A, there's an overlap <laughs> between the like the critical thinkers and the, the tinfoil kooks. Well. The guys that go and park out. I mean, there's, over, there's overlap, obviously. But 
You know what you know what the the experts have to say about critical thinking. It's it's difficult to be a critical thinker. (laughs) It can be. It can definitely be. Uh, (laughs) I think the main thing about being a critical thinker is what your doctor friend lacks, which is that guy never at any point said to himself, "You know, I might be wrong." I think with the worldview that I have, it could be incorrect. Ao, and that is the beginning of being a critical thinker. Yes. Is, is going, you know what? Maybe all the shit that I've learned is is bullshit and I need to reevaluate. You know? Well, that's. Uh... And I just say, well, you know, according to studies from Yale, there are no conspiracies. So. And. Sorry. I'm a doctor. This is uh, jumping a little ahead. I'm not going to play the clip, but one of the things that uh, Danica or Karmic Book Girl 13, or, I'm sorry, 19. CBG 19. <laughs> uh, one of the things comic that she... Comic Girl Blogger. Comic, comic... I'm sorry, CBG. CBG 19. Um, mm. Oh, fuck. I mislabeled all my <laughs> clips. Oh, well. Um, God <laughs> damn. I've been a mess this past week. I need You're to... hot. Yeah. Hot, hot mess. Oh, Jesus. Gonna get you in a hot tub, get you a nice cider. Yeah, no doubt. Um... She gets into like really just trying to find that middle path, the center pillar, not to be swayed too too hard one direction or the other. And uh specifically what she's talking about in, in this clip, the bonus one, is how she she wants to get away from the the woods the words good and bad. Uh her understanding was coming to a place where they were synonymous with convenient and inconvenient. Um, I just, I thought it was interesting. It's, it's well worth the watch. The video is in the show notes. You can check it out, but I have to hit you with the crim to the crim. The moment that I've been waiting for to just heap this motherfucking, just this piece of art onto you. Lavish. Are you prepared for this? I am prepared, sir. But, I mean, I do believe that there are conspiracies out there and they're being enacted every day, but there's no one in control of all this. You know, and some conspiracies get through, some conspiracies don't. You know, some make it, some don't. Uh, and you don't even have to think of it as conspiracy because conspiracy is such a loaded emotional term. I think people hear it and they are emotionally triggered by that term where they either think conspiracy, that's stupid. Somebody who believes in like stupid conspiracies who's just like looking for stuff and like, or you have people who are like, Ooh, conspiracies, like tell me more. You know, it's like, it's such a dichotomy of like the different, some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, but instead of using the word conspiracy, I like to use the word scheme. There's a lot of schemes out there. A lot of people have plans. A lot of people have schemes, plans, plans within plans. You know what I'm saying? Plans within plans. Uh, and everybody's trying to get their scheme to go off the ground and work, you know? And so that's that's really the deal. Um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I do believe that there are – I mean, <laughs> I'm a little bit on that truth or business. I'm a little bit on that truth or business. Fuck it. Yeah. Comic Book Girl 19, if you can hear this transmission, have your people contact our people. Yeah, come on the show. Hell yes. Oh, my All God. Right. Oh, wow. The world we get the is channels. rudderless. <laughs> rudderless. Yes. Uh, There's a lot of schemes out there. I was fist bumping when I found this clip. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do uh, like it, cause, and she's right. Schemes, this is why I like the name of our show, is because this, schemes is the perfect way of putting it. It isn't a conspiracy. It's a scheme. It's a scam. It's a racket. 
Mm-hmm. You're getting it's simple. You're getting put over, son. I mean, it's it is easy to like disregard all these people as flat earthers, and you think that lizards exist. And sure, it's kind of fun to talk about that stuff, and sometimes even pretend that you know that that lizard, whatever you think what you think, and it's fun to say. But to not acknowledge like the most basic negative aspects of humanity, and to go around and then to pretend like there's this deadly virus, and to wear a mask everywhere you fucking go. Because you truly believe that, like, you're going to drop dead at any second. That's a conspiracy theory. I mean, that is a that is a fucking bizarre non-truth that you accept as reality. You know? And there are people that live their whole lives based on this fiction. On this, like, this... I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, but it's just a, a complete overblown overreaction such a hyper focus at the expense of all the other things that present threat to you. You just are so, and QAnon people do the same thing. Trump people do the same thing. If they actually are Trump people and they think that Trump is going to come and fucking save them. I mean, they're just as crazy as the COVID people. It's the same thing. It's the same look. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Dean Reiner on, Ah, God, it was like episode 100, maybe episode 101. He's talking about the uh, the zombie plague that we're living in currently because you, you know, you look at your side, you look outside your house during the zombie apocalypse and you've got the 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 pro maskers on one side of the house trying to bust in and then you've got the. QAnon uh, <laughs> trying to bust in on the other side. You know, it's just this whole well, I fucking... I do a lot more of the first former than the latter in my personal life. Right, but I guess it's not necessarily like the... Um, I know what you're saying, though. It's not like a matter of the physical numbers. It's But those are the factions. Yes. Or so the, or the perceived factions. And it, it's, but again, those are all oversimplifications because there are people of varying degrees of that, you know. And it's, I mean, fuck, MoFax is on that. He's binary pilled, you know. He's trying to avoid that binary thinking, whether it's, you know, it is definitely this or it is definitely that. It is one and or not the other. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and you and I generally pertain to that as well. I mean, we have our biases and we admit to them, but for the most part, we're very kind of. You know, we we like to look at both sides. Of, yeah, of we're mellow. whatever. I you know, generally, <laughs> basically, the way I've been able to cope, <laughs> believe everything and nothing all together at the same time. Yes, <laughs> nothing is too crazy, and nothing is too. And, and the boring thing is oftentimes the true thing as well. And to keep that in mind, nothing maybe there aren't sane. lizards from the Pleiades. Maybe it's just boring people in suits. Maybe it's just the that little. That little fucking chunk of real estate in somebody's brain that's just operating on primal drive and just driving people to to fucking be as scaly and nasty and slithering as it possibly takes to just, you know, to just get it, to just fucking be on top. Uh, It's it's all fight or flight, baby. Yeah, it's (laughs) chemicals. But but that in itself becomes... Uh, 
you can't fulfill that that argument onto yourself because the chemicals are what's dictating your thought processes about the chemicals that are dictating your thought processes. So it's, you can't win with your brain thinking about your brain. Right. These you're are starting, what all the great techs are about. <laughs> you're starting to sound like a conspiracy theory theorist. <laughs> oh, I'm a truth theorist, hypothesist. I'm a truth hypothesist. Oh, I, yes. And see, that's why even, like, I, I, I really dig using the proper terminology, like conspiracy hypothesizer. Uh, but it just, it gets a little more pizzazz when you talk about that conspiracy curiositor. There's a real curiosity. It's just curiosity. Yes. You just it is. It's curiosity. It's asking questions and not committing to conclusions or to ideas. It's like what Aristotle said. I think it was Aristotle who said the the mark of intellect is being able. It might have been Sophocles. the The mark of intellect is to question something without taking it at face value and accepting it. You can entertain a thought without committing to the thought. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, these people commit to every fucking thought. Like your boy, your your weird Chinese, Australian, New, New Zealand boy. That guy is just committed to he, this fucking ideology that he has, you know? You mean this dude? Psychic warfare. The musical interlude is what pissed me off the most. <laughs> G-L-O-W-I-E, glowy. Glowy. <laughs> They're all using the term glowy. And JCD's like, what is a glowy? Are you familiar with glowy? <laughs> JCD says, no, I'm not familiar with glowy. Yeah, right. Which is pretty glowy thing to say, if you ask me. Oh, man. Midnight in my sewer. There we oh we should wrap this motherfucker up. We got two voicemails. Are you ready to rock and roll? Yes, sir. Here we go. Uh oh, there we go. That was that was most definitely Gwiff the King of Kent. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that sure. Was, uh, that was some uh, Robert Plant action, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that was an isolated track from Whole Lot of Love off of oh. their second album, Led Zeppelin II. Also very Satan-y. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. I wonder if that was th- done through the Kanye thing. Ooh. The Kanye music player that ISO's tracks. It's possible. Possibly. I need to be careful. Uh, last voicemail for tonight. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Quick game for you. Ooh. Can you guess the movie for which this short scene with two characters comes from? Boy, your mom sure does care about your education. <laughs> oh my you know i don't you know where the movie that's from you don't know what movie no. that's from stupid is stupid does miss doe 
I, Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got no legs. Oh, see, you you attacked me with my greatest weakness, <laughs> knowing and remembering movie lines. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh no, my kryptonite! <laughs> Definitely, uh, I I guess it's something that I can do. Hell yeah! <laughs> that, uh, as a matter of fact, that motion picture, Forrest Gump, was the first film that i ever saw in the theater oh wow yes that's cool yes i was six months old oh okay (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) yeah well thank you caller for the movie trivia Mm, yes we appreciate that uh it's a fun game i'm never gonna win I was surprised. I was like, oh, God, this is going to be so obscure. Uh, oh, no, but uh, 612-263-7999 is that number that you can call. Uh, we, you can even call it when we're not live. Oh, we have a text message. Um, Let's see here. FYI. Uh, sorry, there's a... Use Brave Browser. Brand new to Judy Mikovich. This came in last Saturday. Got a video to uh, the famed doctor who used to work for uh, Fauci's lab, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, boy. This is... uh, Oh, oh, interesting. It's a video about the Venom technology. Uh, Uh, The snake Venom that was uh, floating around there. Yes, the Pope's snake virus. And the texture says lots of doctor and pH devil, pH devil, pH devil, nice (laughs) slip, PhD level news plus discussions on this site. Example search the truth about viruses. And, uh, they, they ended with FYI, Judy wrote pandemic book slash documentary. Hmm. Yeah. It's a cool thing. Check that out. Hell yeah. Stack that in the notes. This venom thing is super interesting. I'm glad it's still on people's radar. Mm. <laughs> Don't tell me you're a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> oh my god, me listening to people talk about things. God, what a what a criminal. Yeah. Put me away, boobs. Yeah. Lock me away. That's not gonna look good on your permanent record there, boy. <laughs> Joke's on you, nothing's permanent, bitch. There is no permanence in the universe. (laughs) The only thing that moves on is the great silence resounding from the Big Bang and beyond. Don't you forget it. Don't you fucking forget it. And don't you forget that next Monday we'll be live again at uh, badradio.live. At 7.30, 9.30, 10.30 Eastern, respectively, in that order, with what would be Mountain Time, 8.30? 8.30 Mountain Time, Rocky Mountain High. You can find us at uh, badradio.live, as Sir Booberry said. You can also find us at loveislit.com. Yes, loveislit.com. Oh, shit. You know what we didn't talk about? What? Your meetup. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. It was uh, it was a smaller group than before, but it was a good. Everybody that came, most people that came, they were the, the same people that went the previous time, and it's going to be a regular thing, and it's awesome. And Ooh, thank a you regular for bringing thing. it up. I nice. think so. People want to make it a regular thing, so 
You talking once a month? Uh, once every two months, maybe. Okay. Very cool. Very legal. That should be plenty, I think. Nice. Well, we've we've had three three six uh three nice days in a row in succession. So, <laughs> dude, for some reason, same same over here. I mean, different scale, but it started getting nice three days ago here too. Yeah. Oh, we, we didn't even talk about the uh, the the lunar eclipse. Oh, oh man, Jesus. Talk, that's all right. We'll we'll catch up on some of the stuff on next week's episode of Dragon. I mean. Behind the schemes. Uh, that, that's that's that is the name of our show. Uh, huh, that barely left a scratch. <laughs> oh man! Well, on this episode ninety-seven, I've been Booberry Black Knight of the Mothman, and I have been soon to be Sir Lavish. Keep on glowing in the dark, folks. This show is behind the. Shem, shemas, schemes. Drink plenty of water. Into schemes with threes as ease. They're all using the term glowy. G L O W I E, glowy. I love conspiracy theory bullshit. Like, I get into some conspiracy theory holes. I've got lots of conspiracy theory stuff that I'm into. Ooh, conspiracies. Like, tell me more. But instead of using the word conspiracy, I like to use the word scheme. So we don't really know. There's a lot of schemes out there. Lavish. A lot of people have plans. A lot of people have schemes. Plans. Plans within plans. They're all using the term blowy. This is behind the schemes. The of your dreams. <laughs>